0: Welcome to a brand new live episode here of the Geek Buddies! (gasps) Hey! Hey. Thank you everyone who's joining us live here as we have essentially breakfast on our side of the country with the Geek Buddies. Some of you on the... uh, in the Midwest, and some of you in the East Coast are having lunch with the Geek Buddies. So thank you very much for joining us. And I'm not gonna do time zones all over the world. So I was, that's yeah, just- <laughs> I keep going.
1: Some of you may be having tea, some of sure. you may be having that late afternoon snack. Maybe you're getting ready to go to bed with the geek buddies. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey let's do it all.
0: Or you're coming back from the bar, right? Because eight hours late. Oh no, I guess maybe uh it's eight hours. What would it be right now? Six? Yeah, maybe you're having dinner with the geek buddies in, in Europe somewhere. But either way, we are here a lot to of hang meals. Out. Huh? A, lot of, a lot of meals, a lot of meals. We're here to hang out and have some fun talking about uh, everything going on in the world of geekery. We're going to get in some news here about the Top Gun 3 as well. i am my Shirt Star Trek prequel possibly happening. Uh, we're going to get into some conversations here about superhero casting, about Ultimate Comics, about uh, Star with a big Star Wars news. And uh, we're going to jump into our main topic. And our main topic is going to be our spoiler review of all five episodes of echo general overall spoiler review of the show itself so strap in for that but let's introduce ourselves first for any of you who may have stumbled upon us who are who are new to us uh, i am the outlaw john roca writer producer and host here on the geek buddies
1: i am the in-law michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and I have no
2: legal connection to either of these gentlemen. It's all by choice. My name is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work every weekend on YouTube with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season three.
0: Is there something big happening in the world of Barryland? I see people um, retweeting or, or tagging you guys and stuff. What's going on in the world of Barryland here in Strawberry Shortcake? Anything new just, to announce or to highlight? They just tag me because I'm cute. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, no, not at the moment. I mean, look, we've had the two big specials that are still available on Netflix as well as uh, season one and two of the shorts, but you can watch Strawberry Shortcake and the Beast of Barry Bog. You can watch Strawberry Shortcake's nice. Perfect Holiday. And uh, later this year, we're going to have Strawberry Shortcake's TBD Spring Special and mm. Strawberry Shortcake's TBD Summer Special. Nice. And uh, you can watch both of them and see how many movie references from movies that I love I managed to squeeze into both of them. <laughs>
0: there you go we do know you love movies uh and gentlemen oh sorry and uh, people who are watching us right now please remember Streamlabs super chats are open you got questions to ask us here as we're wrapping up the weekend geekery let us know we'll answer them as we go along through the show here do you have any questions as you're going into your weekend of geekness let us know we will answer them here as we go along it is pinned in the chat and in the description of this video as well, for you all to uh, uh, click on that for the Streamlab situation. So, all right, well, let's get it going here. The way the show works is each of us brings up some geek news items. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take mini breaks in between, and then get into our main topic, which will be that Echo spoiler review, as I said a few minutes ago. But let's jump into it. Top, this is called the Paramount Block. Let's get into it. Top Gun 3 is apparently happening. Dun, 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 dun. Where's my damn. Yeah. 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 Suck it. That's right. The rumor is that Top Gun 3 is happening, and Tom Cruise may be headed back to the danger zone. Now, I know the news earlier this week is that he inked a non-exclusive pact at Warner Brothers, but reports are coming in from a number of sources here that Top Gun 3 is in development at Paramount. Uh, Top Gun Maverick co-writer Ethan Kruger is apparently writing a draft. The project would reunite Cruise with Miles Teller and Glenn Powell from the first film. And they're in negotiations and conversations with Joseph Kaczynski to come back and direct the movie as well. Of course, Tom is currently shooting Mission Impossible 8. Apparently, that is not Dead Reckoning Part 2. Apparently, Part 2 is going to go off into the wind. And also, as I said, the idea that uh, Universal here uh, has an agreement with Tom Cruise, but they don't have what Warner Brothers seems to have locked down here he is which is a first look deal giving Tom Cruise offices on the lot so this is an interesting timing situation going on here with Top Gun 3 I love Top Gun Maverick I love the original Top Gun film I'm a little bit nervous I tweeted this out last night I'm 98% excited 2% scared or 2% excited 98% scared like Owen Wilson and Armageddon gentlemen what are your thoughts when you hear this news
2: You know what? It's it took them a long time. Like like a Top Gun sequel had been in development for decades literally years yeah i mean so uh and and the story that they did arrive on that they were able to go back go back to the top gun school and and have the majority of the action take place there it really works um Mm -hmm. as evidenced by the the box office receipts um what the third film could be i don't know i mean i i do really like miles teller's rooster character Mm -hmm. um I thought he and Tom Cruise had a really nice, really nice dynamic, but I am curious. Like, is this going to be another school set story? Mm. Is This going to be Maverick and Rooster and what's Glenn Powell's character's name? Uh, uh, Hangman. Hang hang man. Uh, is that going to be them going off on another kind of secret mission? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, you know, the, the team that put the, put the set, the sequel together, you know, like they did a really good job. So ostensibly the same team being in charge should give us confidence, but I'm with you, John. I'm like, I don't know. I, you, you know, Top Gun is one of those, uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick is one of those rare legacy sequels to come along and be just as good as the first one. Yeah. Um, will they be
0: able to do that for a third time? I'm not sure, but, uh, cautious optimism. That's my scary feeling here, Mike. I mean, the film made 1.1, 1. 1. 1.5, four 9, so Well, essentially $1.5 billion it, it absolutely revitalized Tom Cruise as an actor. People saw, once again, that Tom Cruise could act. It is an Oscar-winning film. It won an Oscar for Best Sound, was nominated for Best Picture. and But it took so many different factors to come together here, Mike, for this film to be the incredible film, that it was kind of like Barbenheimer. Maybe if we release Barbenheimer at different times, it doesn't quite have the explosion that it had for us. It was it, So do you think they'll be able to repeat or replicate What happened here, because it took 36 years just to get Top Gun Maverick done and have the explosion that happened and a number of COVID delays, do you think the possibility of Top Gun 3 here to maybe replicate that is in play?
1: Look, a 36-year-old sequel with an aging movie star that was delayed multiple times that is a sequel to a movie that, while we all love, is not the most... nuanced story should not have been what top gun maverick was yeah and and i don't mean just like looking at the box office i mean me sitting in the theater screaming like i was a 10 year old because i was so excited watching that movie like that movie defies every piece of logic of like what like it shouldn't have worked yeah so You're both not wrong. Like, they announced Top Gun 3, and I'm like, well, Tom Cruise is getting even older. It's not 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 Dorian Gray in this shit. Like, he's going older and older. Yeah. Um, it should should a third Top Gun movie work with an aging Tom Cruise? No. Yeah, yeah. Am I gonna bet against that movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tom Cruise defies all logic yeah. at this point. Yes. Like, Tom Cruise is Getting to the point now, like there was a there was a there was a period of time where we all knew Tom Cruise was getting older, but then you would watch the movie and he still looked like regular old Tom Cruise. He's now getting to the point where no matter what they do, yeah. he looks like older Tom Cruise. Like he's he le- getting older.
0: The leathering is happening. You're absolutely the leathering,
1: right. the leathering is happening. <laughs> you can um, see it, yeah. But it doesn't seem to matter. Right, right. Like that man makes a movie and we're all going. Like he might be. Yeah. The last movie star. 100 percent. We have we have tons of amazing actors. We have amazing performers, but he might be the last movie star. So I think Warner Brothers was wise to lock him up in a non-exclusive deal and give him offices on the lot. I think Paramount is wise to let him do a Top Gun three. Like at this point, let the man do what he wants to do
2: but since yeah. since we're since we're going live and we have a little bit more time to, yeah. time to chat i mean i think at the end of summer 2022 i would have absolutely agreed that tom cruise is kind of the last movie star mm. um, but then you flash forward to summer 2023 where mission impossible to me the best entry in that franchise yeah. really underperformed dead reckoning part 1 yeah dead yeah, reckoning yeah. part 1 yeah yeah and it really, really underperformed. And it was like, okay, so what What was it that made Top Gun Maverick so special? I mean, was it the combination of the Top Gun uh, name yeah. with Tom Cruise? Because, you know, the Mission Impossible movies have only gotten better and better. And, like, what What was it with Dead Reckoning Part 1? I mean, and you can you can throw a lot of blame at Barbenheimer, but I don't think you can throw it
1: all. Like, yeah. what happened?
0: Well, yeah, go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? Well,
1: look! Look! And we've talked a ton about this. Like mm-hmm. we joked about it forever. Like I, I do agree with you that Dead Reckoning Part One was great.
3: Yeah, loved I it. Like it too.
1: Um, but even though um, it kind of stands on its own as just a really great fun movie, and Haley Atwell's a new character and everything. I think there is a sense that eight movies in, if I don't know what happened in these Mission Impossible movies, I can't really jump on board. Like, I do think Mission Impossible, like, we all know that we're all going to go see Tom Cruise jump off a cliff. In the next movie, Tom Cruise is going to dive with James Cameron to the bottom of the ocean. Like, whatever Tom Cruise is going to do, they're going to promote it, and Tom Cruise is going to do some crazy stunt. But I think that there's still the weight of, I don't really know what happened in these movies. I'm a little bit lost. (laughs) I don't really know. So I think that kind of pulled people from going to see it, whereas Top Gun is very straightforward. Yeah. Even the third movie, like, what do you really need to know? It's, it's Maverick. Yeah. Is Maverick going to fly a plane?
0: They're going to play the music. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need to know. It's a fair point. And, and the thing is, um, when you look at it with Top Gun 3, I think, well, with Top Gun Maverick, rather, it at a time when we're so fractured in many ways across multiple spectrums of our life and our world, Here came a film that worked for all the quadrants. It really worked. There were red staters who loved it, blue staters who loved it, purple staters who loved it, for lack of a better term, keeping it domestic. They all loved it. And that's why the movie made as much money as it made. It was something, and each one could claim elements of the movie as supporting their agenda, right? But beyond that, it's just a really well-made film and it spoke to a lot of aging filmgoers, filmgoers who were getting older, who were sensing that, you know, being reflective. So there was a lot within the story that w- that really worked. And you brought in these young uh, uh, talents like uh, um, like Glenn Powell, uh, uh, um, like Miles uh, Miles, Miles Teller. Teller, right? Yeah, Monica Barbar. You bring in all these people here that you, to attach to the younger elements and younger fans who are getting into their movies. And so you you just made a smart combination of things. And for those of us who loved it from the 80s, us aging 80s lovers, we got to g- go back one more time into the danger zone. It was a blast. So the third one, I I wonder if Tom is going to take a little bit of a step back and have Miles wow. Teller and Glenn Powell be much more the fuckers. No. Or, or does Maverick <laughs> get into a situation and Hangman and uh, Rooster have to come and save him? Like, There's questions here about what the story would be. Because he seems to have earned his stripes to be a, a – teacher at Top Gun, even though he flamed out the first time. So I think that's a possibility, maybe. Take John Ham's spot, what have you. The second element with with Mission Impossible, I think Mike does make an excellent point. There certainly you can make a case for that. I also think you can't discount the Barbenheimer thing. It was right. a goddamn buzzsaw. It really was. And Tom missing out on the IMAX screens, I think, affected it. Also, the film didn't get the greatest reviews. It got good reviews. It didn't get the greatest reviews like the previous installment. So people, I think, were a little hesitant but you have to also wonder like oppenheimer to a degree benefited from barbie because barbie screenings were sold out let's go see oppenheimer right well how come they didn't go let's go see top gun oh sorry let's go see a mission impossible dead reckoning which had only come out two weeks before so Mm -hmm. there are questions to be asked about what made and what made that different from something like top gun maverick but I think at the end of the day, Michael nails it. Top Gun is a much more simpler story to sell than Mission Impossible, and maybe that's what at the end of the day got people into the theater more than uh, top uh, more than uh, Mission Impossible. So, yeah. also, I-, I would like to point out to Clarissa's
2: comment here. Oh. She just wrote planes. Like, forget- <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Even simpler, Clarissa.
1: Even
0: simpler for sure. Uh-
1: I do think the one thing that we can all agree is absolutely true about Top Gun 3 Mm -hmm. is that Tom Cruise will not take a step back.
0: (laughs) He's not a Pedro Pascal is what you're saying.
1: Tom Cruise is never going to take a step back. He's just going to keep going. And then he's going to do an epic stunt into his casket. True. The casket will go down. That'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. Do
2: you, do you think if he ever did an action film centered around like an NFL or an NBA mascot that he would demand to be in the suit? Oh, yes.
0: With the with the thing <laughs> off, with the thing off so that you can <laughs> see his face obviously. That was the Iron Man thing. Well, so we'll see what happens. Of course, this is early stages. There's a lot going on here between Warner Brothers and Paramount and SkyDance and purchasing um elements of Uh, certain sections uh, attached to certain companies attached to Paramount. So there's a lot of moving pieces like national amusements, all of this that is tied up in all of this. So uh, I think Tom made a wise move to get himself an office at Warner Brothers. I think you read the writing on the wall at Paramount and it's ironic that a few years ago, Paramount was quite willing to cut ties with Tom Cruise after he jumped on a couch. Now here's Tom Cruise in a much more better position. And I hope that's a lesson for y'all in life. Life is not a fucking uh, uh, sprint. It's a marathon. Sometimes you're down, sometimes you're up. You got to hope you end up up by the time you leave this planet.
2: Sometimes you're jumping on a couch.
0: Sometimes you're jumping on a couch (laughs) for love. You know. Uh, Let's move on to another element of Paramount here in this Paramount block, and that is a Star Trek prequel, another franchise that I thoroughly, thoroughly love. According to Deadline, a new Star Trek film is in works at Paramount with Andor's Toby Haynes on board to direct. For those who may not know which episode Toby directed in Andor, he directed the prison escape sequence, which is a fucking great great episode in Andor season one and seth graham smith is penning the script uh seth graham is known for us uh, uh writing the novels pride and prejudice and zombies abraham lincoln vampire hunter and wrote and produced the lego batman movie which uh, i think all three of us uh, do thoroughly enjoy the d- plot details are under wraps here but it will be an expansion of the star trek universe there is still a fourth installment with chris pine and his crew that is apparently still somewhere in the ether there that is going to be uh, down uh, created down the road but uh Michael what are your thoughts on this a paramount pre uh, a Star Trek paramount prequel film uh that predates what we got here with Chris Pine and his crew uh or maybe even uh, Shatner and his crew and we've already seen Strange New Worlds so where are we going with this prequel situation uh, wh- what are your thoughts on this
1: That is a very good question. Um oh, I you. I love Star Trek I love pretty much everything that's happening right now on Paramount Plus with Star Trek in TV. Yeah, I mean, I love Lower Decks. I love Discovery. I, we we've talked at length about how great Strange New Worlds was. Picard yeah. season three is like one of the all time great Star Trek stories. Like, I'm loving Star Trek right now. Yeah, this news, okay, didn't get me. Like, like I think to that point, like yeah. Strange New Worlds is a is a great Star Trek prequel. Yeah. Now, are they going to jump back way further because once you do, it's like, look, the Star Trek universe is cool, yeah. but it's really the characters that we love. And every character, when you get a few years before or after, has been spoken for. So yeah. I think with the movies, they have a really strong cast with with uh, Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine uh, and and everybody that they have so, in that yeah. cat. Yeah, uh, uh, Zoe Saldana. I just like, what are they doing? Like, Star Trek movies, it just seems like Paramount can't figure it out, and I want them to come out strong. I want them to come out guns blazing with a, we've got these three movies, we're doing this thing, like, we're giving you everything you've got on TV, but with the movie budgets. And this movie, this 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 announcement just has me kind of like, okay.
0: Yeah. Shannon, this is supposed to be set decades before two thousand nine Star Trek. Um, so... Is this like mirroring what we're getting from Mangold with the origin of the Jedi? Is this the origin of the Federation? Isn't that what Scott Bakula's show was, Enterprise, like the first Enterprise? So I'm confused where they're going with this. What are your thoughts?
2: You know, I mean, uh, on on its surface, again, me not being a huge Star Trek guy, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, if it looks good, it's something I would go see. Mm. Um, The thing that I've enjoyed, the the one entry into the Star Trek uh, franchise that I've enjoyed the most was J.J. Abrams' first movie in in 09. Mm. And maybe it's because they went back a little bit. I mean, I did have a familiarity with the characters. I knew who everyone was. But if they have a solid story... Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that would be sort of, you know, cool ground to cover is when Starfleet first started. And along with directing those two fantastic episodes of Andor, Toby yeah. Haynes has kind of already done a Star Trek episode because he directed the Cal- USS Callister uh, episode of Black Mirror oh, in season right. four. So on its surface, like I'm not exactly the audience, but if this comes out and it does go well, Um, I would be exactly who they want someone that's coming in coming in absolutely fresh and if it works this could be another path for Star Trek to take
0: Hmm. interesting interesting yeah I mean is there a danger that people get confused with all of this but also I mean we're hearing as I just mentioned earlier how Paramount might get might get bought out themselves or by Warner Brothers possibly there's rumors about so There are a lot of rumors here going around about Paramount possibly getting sold. So is this them announcing a Top Gun 3, them announcing a Star Trek prequel film, is this like after the breakup and you go to the gym and you start posting pictures on Tinder? Is this what this is? Like, I'm looking good now. Let's go. Let's, you know, buy me up. Let's have some fun. Is this what's going on here? Like, it seems odd to to announce this twice these two things in in one week yeah my is
1: that kids. what your tinder profile said
0: Buy Not me mine. Up? you know in those days i don't know <laughs> i think it just said please date me for god's sakes i'm lonely i think that's all it said. so I mean, oh. it's
2: sort of like when Disney and Pixar were on the verge of breaking up before Disney bought Pixar oh, and right. Disney had announced all of the sequels to, like, was it, was it a Toy Story 3 or a toy, or was, it, was that Toy Story 3 or to, uh, Toy Story 4, yeah. Mike, that Disney announced? Toy Story 3, I think. Okay, and it was like Buzz was going to be recalled. Like, they had all of these announcements that when that sale did become final, Pixar was like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, the fact that they've already kind of attached – some name talent to it gives me gives me the the uh feeling that these are probably closer than
0: those were. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Well we'll see what happens as it goes along because we know this from the last time they started rolling out all this Star Trek news. It never came to fruition. So we'll see what will happen as we go along here. I'm excited about the combination of the actor I'm sorry of the director and the writer But I want to see uh, if this actually comes to fruition down the road. Um, Well, let's take a quick break. Um, And as we go to break, I want to remind you all to please subscribe to the channel down below. Hit that bell button after you hit subscribe. Leave your comments down below if you're watching later. Also, don't forget about our podcast. The Geek Buddies are a separate podcast feed as well. In case you want to re-listen to us and not, not look at our pretty faces, you can download the podcast wherever you download podcasts. And we've started to get some new sponsors. So we'd like you, as you listen to the podcast, to subscribe to those people as well, a, 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 a patronize those products so that they'll keep sponsoring us here on the Geek Buddies, just letting you all know that as well. All right, let's take a quick break. And, uh, on the other side, we'll come back and talk a little superhero stuff right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture.
2: That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench.
0: Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harrington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse.
2: Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertips. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are.
0: And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right. Three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code BUDDIES. Explore the
2: extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media.
1: and how he rose from nothing to become New York's king of the egg cream.
2: So, if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Do As a part-time Star Trek fan, I appreciate you doing that. So, <laughs> Uh, Mikey, what do you got for us, my man?
1: Well, let's jump over to things at DC where uh James Gunn's DC universe is heating up. We've already gotten a bunch of casting annou- announcements about Superman Legacy, and it looks like they are now looking over to uh Cal El's cousin Kara as they are casting a uh, Supergirl. Deadline reports that we have three lovely ladies up for the role of Kara Zorel. We've got Millie Alcock, who uh, most of us know as Renera Targaryen from House of the Dragon. Yeah. We've got Amelia Jones, who many of us saw in the Oscar winning Coda. She was also in Netflix's Lock and Key. And then we have Meg who is lesser known than the other two, uh, unless you're a big Disney fan, because she was on Disney Zombies as well as High School Musical. Interestingly enough, Meg has actually voiced Supergirl in two different animated projects in the oh. past couple of years for DC uh, and Warner Brothers. So three actresses. All up for the role of uh, of Kara Zor-El in her Supergirl movie. And again, the Supergirl movie is based on Tom King's amazing Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow. Woman of Tomorrow? Is that right? I think yeah, so. I think it is, yeah. Uh, comic book run, which is absolutely fantastic. So, gentlemen, we're back in the mix. DC's <laughs> heating up. Got some casting announcements going on. It means it's really happening. What do we think? <laughs>
0: Yeah. At the risk of pissing off James Gunn, (laughs) uh, who says, you know, like, it's only half truths or what? I can't I can't speculate, you know, all this stuff. I like this. I like this trio as a possibility for this role. And look, um, Superman, uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, she's a harder edged uh, Supergirl, right? She's seen some shit uh, and seen people die in front of her and seen and gone through some 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 negative stuff. Well, who have we just seen recently go through a lot of negative stuff on a show? Millie Alcock on House of Dragons. So to me, that seems to be the front runner. I've been hearing that from other people that she might be already doing screen tests for the role itself. But I loved Amelia Jones and Coda. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different energy. It'd be interesting to see her step up. She's got that all-American girl look. So are they going to go with someone who has the trauma written on her face or someone who's much more of the uh, uh, mainstream, all-American look that's going to have that trauma bubbling underneath, but not necessarily give in to that trauma. And I'm not too knowledgeable of Meg Donnelly, but she having voiced over uh, Supergirl in the past uh, recently... I think it's a great choice to have her, and so she'd be intimately knowledgeable of this character. So it's a good trio of actresses for sure to consider for the role. What do you think, she?
2: Yeah, I think I think all three choices are super exciting. Um, Millie Alcock uh, was one of the standouts from House from House of the Dragon. I mean, I think everyone in that show did sure. a, did a fantastic job, uh, but she was definitely a standout. I'm kind of with you though, John. I mean, Amelia Jones is the one that, based off of her work in Coda. I think seems like the the strongest choice, um, but I don't think you can count it. I, I'm, the fact that they are using uh, a, a a performer who voiced Supergirl already, I don't think that I don't think that's a coincidence. And yeah. I I think Meg Donnelly could really be kind of the sleeper amongst this group that yeah. could pull could that could pull this out. And yeah. my guess, I mean, I I've not read that uh, Tom King run. Um, but my guess is that they will want to surround her with a I mean, whoever they whoever they go with, yeah. they will want to surround her with a really strong supporting cast. So and I think it would be awesome for the voice acting community to see someone make the leap from voice acting a role into playing the live action version. I know that has happened in the past, yeah. um, but I think for this role in particular, I think that would be really that would be awesome for that voice acting community.
0: Mike what do you thought I mean I am not sure if Magna I think Macdonald is American but Amelia is English uh Amelia Al- Alcock is British Corin Sweat's American so I think
2: Alcock's Australian
0: Oh sorry Australia sorry Australia yes so what do you do you think that factors into any of this at all like wanting someone who's American to play because we've standardly seen the Superman Supergirl type of thing be played by American actors or do you think no, that I mean look I think super
1: I think so. we're in pretty well trod territory at this point at the uh at the risk of offending some of our friends who are American actors, like Australian <laughs> actors and British actors tend to be a little bit better than a lot of American actors. So How dare you? Bring, oh, them whoa, in. Whoa. Whoa, bring them in! Whoa! I said many, not all. Yeah, but go- um, it yeah. they listen. Um, they, there just tends to be a. Uh, they come over and they do a pretty good job. Yeah. for the most part so i don't i don't think i don't think that's an issue at all but like look to shannon's point about surrounding her um with a really strong cast like if you've again if you've not read tom king's woman of tomorrow it's an eight issue miniseries Mm. it's really easy to tear through but like this is not supergirl on earth hanging out with the other superheroes right like this is the entire story is And this, and again, you never know how much they're going to adapt it and how much it's going to be tied into other stuff. So, Mm -hmm. this might not be what the movie is, but this is Supergirl on her 21st birthday flies light years away to a planet in orbiting a red sun so that she can get drunk and gets wrapped up in an alien Conan style, barbarian esque, like, shit with her and crypto. Like, it is a very focused supergirl story meaning that supergirl carries most of this movie like this is a very like this is a great um role for any actress to sink her teeth into this is not supergirl tagging along with cal this is not supergirl hanging out with a bunch of other superheroes this is a very strong character piece uh if they really do base it on this story um look i think any three of them would be great it's kind of like where we were uh i think Amelia Alcock is the most well known. I think yeah, Amelia yeah. Clark is kind of maybe my vote out of the performance, but Amelia I Jones. Don't think, Mill, yeah, Amelia Jones. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, I don't think any of them can really be counted out, and I think we're kind of in the same place that we were hmm. with the Superman casting. Yeah, like yeah. James Gunn is good at casting. Yeah, yeah, he's really good at it, and you know, I I spoke to a buddy of mine who worked at Marvel a while ago, years like back when we were in phase two phase three and he talked about the fact that uh internally when they spoke about this that Marvel's one of Marvel's strengths in those early phases and I think even now despite some of the missteps that they've had yeah, yeah. was casting that they they cast actors and actresses that they that were really good performers and didn't necessarily have to be ripped you can always make someone ripped you can yeah. always make give someone blonde hair you yeah, can always Caitlin make yeah. yeah, you can always make someone look the way you want them to look, but you yeah. find those people that are charming and charismatic and fun and good. And it just seems like James Gunn is very much in that vein with his casting. So I, even even with these three, like I, I had stronger opinions about Superman and Lois. With these three, any one of the three of them, mm-hmm. if any one of them, three of them gets announced, I I'm going to be kind of excited.
0: Well, let me bring two more things up here. Mike. I know this is your section, Michael, but I wanted to bring this up. Hey, it's soon. your show, buddy. Do what you want to do. <laughs> it's our show, buddy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw this from some people, and I don't feel this way, but I feel I'd be remiss not to bring this up. But Sasha Kaye was such a good Supergirl, in my opinion, a Latina actress. In essence, now the role is going to be played by three, one of the three white actresses, it seems like. So is this a, does this, I mean, is there a little feeling of like, ah, oh, here we go. They're going to start doing this more comics accurate. Now we're going to see less diversity. What are your thoughts on, on, on this? And look, James has done a really good job with diversity. I'm not going to, I'm not saying no. anything negative. I'm saying I've seen this online. How do they address stuff like this as, as it pops up? What do you think about this
1: Look, I thought Sasha Kai did a great job. Yeah. um But I think that, she just it, it it by for through no fault of her own mm-hmm. like is wrapped up in a yeah. movie that nobody wants to move on. Like, like and yeah. look, I know that James Gunn is kind of cherry picking and keeping. Like, yeah, Viola Davis is in some movies where we're not gonna right. carry on with certain characters, right. but Sasha Kaye, her everything we know about her character is so tied to you were rescued out of a thing by Michael Keaton and Ezra Miller, like, so her all of a sudden jumping over and being in a different Supergirl movie, I think there's a little bit of, okay, wait, but wait, what? Whereas Viola Davis, uh, even Peacemaker, uh, John Cena, like, these characters sort of existed around the DC universe without being directly super involved in the midst of it. And I just think Sasha Calle sticking with that role would have been a little bit more confusing than they want to deal with. So I think through no fault of her own, it's sort of a wrong place, wrong time. And to your other point, even though I do think it's a shame, um, because I thought she did a great job and I love seeing a Latina actress, as Supergirl. I don't think James Gunn's DC universe is going to be lacking in diversity. So I don't think that this is a sign of, we're going to all of a sudden go back to making every character look like a white guy from the white guy and white girl from the fifties and
0: sixties. Right on. Uh, Shannon, any thoughts on that or or should we move to the next question?
1: No, I agree. But also
2: the fact that she was one of the elements that came out of the flash that people were like, man, she was really good. Yeah. Um, That does not, even though her, Supergirl is not carrying over. That does not preclude her from being involved in the DC universe. Sasha in- Kaye, you mean. Sasha Kaya, yeah. the, the actor. Yeah. Um, and also because she is tied to a movie that is kind of um, not thought of so great in some circles. Mm. Um, and not a ton of people saw it. Right, so having her play another role, it's not going to be for me as maybe ostentatious as Momoa going from Aquaman to Lobo. Like everyone's like, that's Aquaman. Um, But I think Sasha Kaye could pop up in any number of roles, and people are not automatically going to think, "Wait, she
0: was Supergirl." Yeah, and James said that like they may not come into the DC universe as the characters they played before. But the door is always open if yeah. it makes sense to bring them in. So yeah, I like it. I mean, and and I'm and I'm cool. I you know honestly, I loved what we got with Sasha. But I think you're right, Mike. Just caught up wrong place, wrong time in the wrong universe. Because if that movie had been a billion dollar movie, then maybe we're having a separate conversation. Sasha is making oh, yeah. the jump. You can make the like you can make it make sense that she, he would make she would make the jump over to James Gunn's universe. But that's not the case. Um, one last question here: Do you guys think that we're gonna see? the supergirl in um uh post credit scene in superman legacy do you think that's how she gets maybe. introduced yeah
1: maybe i mean all bets are off like mm. we could be entering a dc universe where she's already on earth and has been there for a while like you know that we mm. we're in a populated superhero universe we don't really know what james gunn is kicking things off with and again because her story is very much a supergirl is over here on another planet doing another thing they could easily have her as part of superman legacy or maybe her story is going to be wrapped up into the reverse like we're going to meet her off on another planet and she's going to come to earth for the first time like they could there's a lot of ways that they could take tom king's run and sort of adapt it into so i actually I could see it going either way, but the fact that they're casting her now yeah. means maybe that we will see yeah. her in like a post credit scene or something like that.
0: That's a great point. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, you know, my writer brain starts going and it's like, okay, if you're not going to do a direct adaptation, which they probably won't, um, you know, in in this superhero world, I mean, aliens exist. I mean, you know, Uh, Guy Gardner's a Green Lantern. I mean, so the idea that whatever the story is for Superman legacy, we're presuming that, you know, Kal-El comes out on top Um, and he hears stories about there supposedly there's another Kryptonian out there and he goes to another planet and finds Supergirl. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the beginning. I mean, that to me, that's the beginnings of a, uh, of an exciting story.
0: Yeah. I love this Melvin Mayo suggestion. Sasha as Jessica Cruz's green lantern. That could be fun down the road. We'll see. We're getting more and more Latina actresses, young Latina actresses coming through. So yeah, there's going to be competition. For those roles that which is great to see for god's sakes yeah um, um michael go ahead. we got more things what
1: do you got we got more things well you know this isn't dc news but we were talking about this with supergirl look we talk a lot about superheroes on here and we talk a lot about comic books as far as how they relate we're talking about it right now with supergirl that you should check out that tom king woman of tomorrow run hmm. but we tend to like only talk about comics once they've been pulled for, this is being adapted into a feature, this is being adapted into this. And we talked about it a lot with Secret Wars with Marvel. We've mentioned the Jonathan Hickman run of Secret Wars and how they might be adapting that. But we sometimes don't hit the comic books when they first come out. So today mm. we wanted to talk about Marvel has low key been rebooting their ultimate universe, uh, throughout the summer and has just hit in this past week with ultimate Spider-Man number one, their brand new ultimate Spider-Man coming out. Um, again, by Jonathan Hickman, um, with art by, I have it right Is this here.
0: It? Is this it? Uh, yeah. Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this it? it? Yep. Is this what we're talking about here? Oh, wow. It,
1: uh, That's it. Yeah. Jonathan Hickman with art from uh, Mark Chichetto and Matthew Wilson and lettering by Corey Petit. Um, Here's the thing. Ultimate Universe came out back in 2000. Ultimate Spider-Man number one by Brian Michael Bendis kicked it off. Ultimate Spider-Man by Bendis is arguably, by a lot of people, one of the best comic book runs that there is, where he reinvented Peter Parker for 2000. Mm. Peter Parker was a teenager and kind of retold all the stories that we loved, reintroduced all the characters in the ultimate way. And that led to Ultimate X-Men, The Ultimates, which was the ultimate version of The Avengers, and ultimately led to the creation of a little-known comic book character named Miles Morales, who Mm. started in the Ultimate Universe. Um, So the ultimate run was pretty big. After several years, it kind of got bogged down in its own continuity. And when Hickman did the Secret Wars thing, they kind of used that as an opportunity to sort of collapse the ultimate universe. But it was a really, really great run uh, and gave us a lot. I mean, in addition to Miles Morales, it's the first time that Nick Fury was black. And I think Nick Fury in the Ultimates even says... In the comic books that sam jackson should play him in the movie so a lot of what we saw in the marvel cinematic universe a lot of that came from the ultimate marvel uh, comic books line Mm. so what they've done now over the summer there's a four issue miniseries called ultimate invasion followed by a single issue called ultimate universe Mm. and now they're kicking things off with this ultimate spider-man and ultimate black panther is coming and ultimate x-men is coming and this is Wild. This is a universe where the ultimate version of Reed Richards, who ultimately was a bad guy, super evil Reed Richards, um, goes back to his universe and wipes out all superheroes, changes history so that no superheroes ever happen. So Peter Parker was never bitten Mm. by the radioactive spider. Ultimate Spider-Man opens up with a 36-year-old Peter Parker who is married to MJ and has two kids and was never Spider-Man. And through a series of events... Uh, ultimately is going to become Spider- I know I keep saying ultimately I'm doing it for you Shannon doing it all for you Uh, going to become a new Spider-Man and this new this brand new comic book totally changes everything we know uh I don't want to give away too much but let's just say most of the stuff that you know about Spider-Man and his origin and why he became Spider-Man and who dies and who doesn't is not the same in this version so people are freaking out about it online it's super huge and i'm just here to say as someone who just read all of it i highly recommend you check this out now before it's thousands of issues in and you have to go like sift through everything like this is brand new it looks like it's going to be pretty awesome gentlemen i know you haven't read it yet but uh what do you think of marvel kind of rebooting their ultimate
0: universe i think i'm ready to open a folder and I haven't been ready to open a folder in a very, very long time. This sounds exciting. And are, are those are those Brian Michael Bendis ones available as like a compendium or? A oh yeah, you can get them. Okay, I'm gonna maybe make that a focus. Bendis my,
1: wrote. I mean, I think Bendis. I think I think this love this right. Daredevil, man I love Bendis it. wrote every single issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, and there's. A lot of them. Okay. And ultimately going... I
0: can't say... God damn it. Um <laughs> Rodney says the best. Ultimate Vogel. Ultimate baby. Vogel. I'll take it.
1: I'll take it. Uh <laughs> Peter Parker getting bit by the spider, ultimately to the end of Peter Parker's journey in the Ultimate Universe, yeah. which led to Miles Morales. And again, I, I remember not wanting to read this uh new spider-man comic by brian michael bendis because i was like "Eh, peter parker's spider-man i don't know who this kid is and then opened up page one of the miles morales comic and was like oh my god he did it again so the ultimate universe is a great read all the way through um but yeah, this new version, you don't have to know the Ultimate Universe. All you really need to know is from the Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars run, which Shannon has referenced a lot, yeah. uh, which has the evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe as well as the Marvel Universe's Reed Richards in it. And that ultimate bad guy Reed Richards gets captured at the end. And if you pick up Ultimate Invasion, that's kind of where things kick off.
0: So these are out now, these Ultimate yeah. ones that are current. Those are out now.
1: Yeah, you there's there's <laughs> – Again, Ultimate Invasions one through four, yeah. Followed by Ultimate Universe, which is a one shot. Okay. Followed by Ultimate
0: Spider-Man number one, which just came out. And so, if I read all that with the Secret Wars, I should be good to go to start. Like, yeah, okay, all right, Chad. What do you think of this?
2: I mean, What If is is one of my favorite things to come out of Marvel. I mean, not just not just the Disney Plus series, but the comics as well. Um, and this sounds like a, a whole a, a big What If. A big what if arc yeah um and the idea of uh a a 36 year old peter parker who never got bit by the spider i mean that that's really really interesting to me i mean i do all of my marvel comic reading on my marvel unlimited app um so i don't know i know i don't know what the turnaround is for something to hit the stands versus to get on the app but that's probably where i'll look at it first unless i can spy the comics in vogel's apartment and surreptitiously borrow them. <laughs>
1: You'd have I've to surreptitiously borrow the iPad, but yes, you could do that. <laughs> I've done that, Matt Fraction. I've done that before. Yeah, it, it, it's not a bad Oh, you bad. did. You had that Hawkeye comic for a long time.
2: Not only did Johnny have it a long time, <clears throat> I saw the Hawkeye heart, the hard the hardback in John's apartment. I said, hey, can I borrow this? And he went, yeah, sure. Take it. Take it. It's and, yours. it and it wasn't until I was telling Volko, I'm like, hey, Johnny loaned me that that Matt Fraction Hawkeye series. It's really great. It's like,
0: oh, did he? <laughs> Me, Libro, is your Libro. That's all I'm saying. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> any, all right, Mike, anything more to wrap up this one?
1: No, that's it. I just okay. think, you know, we don't talk about comics as much as we should, and we should. all of us should be keeping up more on what's going on in the comics, because as we're looking at where the MCU is going, where the DC universe is going, even yeah. things like Invincible. I mean, a lot of this, you can uh, you can see what's going to be coming up next by checking out what's really popping at the comic book shop, yeah. and we should all be supporting comic books. So uh, I highly I recommend that. checking this out.
0: Yeah, I should absolutely take a look at that situation. And um, uh, you set up. I mean, it used to be easier when it was cheaper. Now these are a little more expensive, but, you know, if you want to get into it, why not? It's a way to go. Um, All right. uh All right. Well, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll get into some, some uh, Star Wars stuff and get into your Streamlabs and super chats after that here, right after this.
2: do 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 <laughs>
0: all right, my man, uh, Shannon McCon. take it away. Well, we
2: found out earlier this week, but the three of us are going to talk about it with you all now. Din Djarin, The Mandalorian, and Grogu are going to be hitting the big screen directed by Jon Favreau in the uh, aptly named The Mandalorian and Grogu. It was announced earlier this week uh, in The Hollywood Reporter that they were going to be doing... It sounds like this is going to be the first Star Wars film that is going into production since Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, And along with this announcement, it was also confirmed that... Uh, Dave Filoni is developing the second season of Ahsoka. So you know, you know, we had heard rumors about this probably on the hot mic um, yeah. <laughs> about um, Mandalorian season four potentially becoming a movie that would then dovetail into Filoni's movie. And now this, I'm we don't know if it's de- definitely going to dovetail directly into Filoni's movie, but we now know that that Mandalorian film. Is uh is happening? What is it going to look like for Din Djarin to make the leap to the big screen to see tiny little Grogu on an IMAX screen near you, gentlemen? What do you think about this news? Let's start with the Mandalorian, but then we'll go to Ahsoka. Mm. Johnny, why, why yeah. don't you take it away?
0: Yeah, I, look, I, I spoke about this, you know, on the Hot Mic on Tuesday. So I'll let my my uh, two uh, learned colleagues take more of the brunt of this one, but I'll just say right now, this is a smart move by Disney. This is how I mean. The backlash to Charmin Obey Chenoy, which you can't deny now, the backlash to a Ray movie was brewing among certain sections of the fandom. How do you get people to be excited about your product again? You go back to something that people loved, the Mandalorian and Grogu. It doesn't mean that Ridley the the Ray movie is not happening; those other movies aren't happening. But it's not a coincidence that they're putting this in rapid, uh, they're they're moving this quickly uh, into production, doing it starting this year, for God's sake. So to me, that says that they want to get people back excited about the franchise. They want to reach uh, past the Star Wars fan to the mainstream casual Star Wars fans with baby Grogu, baby Yoda. So they want to do this. And I think it's going to be, a self contained film. I don't I think it's going to have certain people pop in, but I don't think it's going to be this massive Empire Strikes Back type of movie because Iger said he wants to keep the budget low on everything that's coming out from Disney right now. So I think this is a smart move, uh, uh, um, uh, an intelligent move overall for the brand, uh, but overall just excited because I like Mando and Grogu, Mando and Grogu, and we'll see what we're going to get from this movie. Uh, Michael, take it away. Mikey, what do you think?
1: I mean, look, I do think. John is right partially this is look it's smart Grogu and Din Djarin are two of the best things to happen to Star Wars in the past decade Mm -hmm. like like hands down like baby Yoda is a fucking beast just from a consumer product standpoint standpoint he's like keeping Star Wars afloat all on its own yeah he is a great character that we're all super invested in he's kind of like the thing that every Star Wars fan agrees on yeah Like, we are all just, like, Grogu's cool. Grogu's cool. Grogu's badass. I want to know Grogu's story. I want to know what what he's like in 50 years when he's actually a badass little Mandalorian Jedi. Like, I'm 100% on board with Grogu's journey. And Din Djarin, as the Mandalorian, is the Boba Fett that we don't have. Hmm. Like, Boba Fett went on Boba Fett's journey. And we're all kind of like, okay, you can go sit there and sit in your sit in your palace and we're good with you boba but give us more mando like mando's the boba fett that we always wanted so the two of them are great and i think partially john's right this is a goodwill. like this is a thing that star no star wars fan can really get upset about i also think it's getting put into production because i don't think it's an accident that this and ahsoka season two are announced at the same time like whatever filoni wants to do there is a Mandalore storyline with Bo Katan and Din Djarin and Grogu that needs to get to a certain point. Yeah. And there is an Ahsoka storyline, you know, where we left everybody on that planet and Thrawn coming back and Ezra returning that needs to get to a certain point. And both of these stories need to get to a certain point so that Dave Filoni's movie can happen. Yeah. So I think the Grogu Mando movie which is whatever they were planning to do in season 4 and decided let's supersize it into a movie is like just from a timeline story standpoint as they're all sitting in the bo- in the room and whiteboarding everything it's like all right Mando and Mando gets here Grogu gets here Bo-Katan gets here then over here Ezra's here Hera's here Thrawn is here Ahsoka's right. here Sabine is here okay now Felone go. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing happen which Look, I'm excited about every character that I just named, despite the fact that not every part of Ahsoka thrilled me. And despite the fact that Mando season three is not Mando season one or Mando season two, I love all those characters and I'm excited. Like, I don't think that I have been this excited to think about sitting in a theater and that star Wars crawl coming up, knowing that I'm about to see a Mando and Grogu adventure yeah. as i've been about star wars in a while so <laughs> i think they're doing the smart thing with this
2: yeah, yeah and you know a couple of things i mean i i think one of the things that was so that is so great about these bigger franchises when they are still you know pumped with goodwill um is yeah. that sort of shared vocabulary that the audience has And even though this will be their first Grogu and the Mandalorian's first adventure on the big screen, like as you as you both already put, like these characters are insanely popular. Like the the series is insanely popular and there is going to be an energy in the theater that I imagine, you know, we will be seeing the night before. in a packed packed house the first time we see Grogu come on screen, the first time we see Din Djarin come on screen. Now, in terms of them, uh, allegedly they may start filming by the end of this year. A couple of things to take into account. One, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Like is this going to be another Mandalorian adventure where that helmet is on the whole time? Because as we found out, generally when that helmet's on, it ain't Pedro. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. He's in a VO booth recording, recording those lines afterwards. Um, but I would think, because this is the first big screen adventure, I would have to think that helmet's going to come off at some point but next year or rather this year is a very packed year for pedro pascal he has the last of us season two he has he dropped out uh out of uh zach craiger's movie right john
0: yeah he dropped out of that yep
2: to allegedly make room for fantastic four right. so when are they going to find the time to get uh pedro pascal on set also when uh, Mandalorian season one started, that was the introduction of the volume to audiences Mm. for, uh, uh, for, uh, for series, for, for for television. Um, And you could see the absolute, the, the the giant leaps that they were able to make with this technology as uh, not just star Wars, but other series, other films have started to employ the volume. You have started to see the limitations of that. Mm. Um, You know, I'm thinking mainly of, you know, mainly of obi-wan kenobi and thor love and thunder like there were definitely some some scenes where it's like this doesn't look quite right like you wonder going forward again it's a big movie i, I imagine they're going to want to fill that fill that screen with other people with other characters yeah. is the volume something they are going to be using for for this film and also yep big shack just said it they used the volume in the batman movie yeah. um a lot of the scenes with Batman and Gordon and some with Catwoman when they were on in that dilapidated building with the signal like that was the volume. So you yeah. you can see where it does look good on the big screen. Um, but is this a is this a technology that they are going to employ? Because we have seen it not work. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be going to be really, really interesting to see what happens as far as Ahsoka season two. <laughs> like, you know, that's that finale ended. <laughs> And it was pretty, it was pretty clear that like the story is not, is not done. Like right. this, this story is going to continue. Um, who are they going to get for Balen goal I mean, to, yeah. for, to replace yeah. Ray Stevenson, like That's there, there are a bunch of, there are a bunch of what ifs in the air right now. Gentlemen, right. what do you think about that? Yeah.
0: I mean, <clears throat> I like, uh, I mean, I, look, I think Michael said it earlier. This is what I think is happening. We're going to get the Mando Grogu movie. Then the uh, Charmino bey movie, the Ray movie. If that movie happens, I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, The Mangold movie, and then Filoni's uh, uh, Infinity War Endgame movie, in essence, is what's coming. Ahsoka season two, you have to further those storylines along so it makes sense. Deadline also said that this doesn't mean there's not going to be a Mandalorian season four, and that they hear it's still in production. So is this movie just going to be a filler in between Season 3 and Season 4 that still pushes us towards that overall Filoni movie we're getting down the road? I don't know. But for Ahsoka Season 2, there's no way those storylines aren't connected in massive ways to, uh, to the overall story that Filoni is trying to tell here. So to me, it makes sense. I'm not surprised by it. Rosario was kind of hinting at it. So now they're going forward with it. And yeah, I'm sure they'll figure out who to cast with Balin. Um, and there's plenty of actors that they can look at. Maybe not with Ray Stevens is quite a gravitas for that role, but certainly there are a lot of actors they can look at. Mike, what are your thoughts? on
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, look, recasting him is just going to suck. Anyone who steps we'll into see. that role is stepping into uh, some pretty big, some pretty big uh, Jedi robes to fill. So that part is a bummer, but um, you know, with Ahsoka season two, I hope, how do I say this? <laughs> I I like where we ended up. Okay. I'm glad that Thrawn is back. I'm glad that Ezra is reunited with Hera. I'm interested in what Ahsoka and Sabine are doing on this planet. I'm interested in tying in the stories of uh the Mortis arc, the mother, the yeah. the the brother, the sister, the father. There's a lot of stuff that I'm really interested in as a hardcore Star Wars nerd. I hope they adjust some of their storytelling based on some of the Hmm. Feedback they've gotten. I think that Ahsoka maybe moved a little slower than it needed to. And I think that and I've said this before, I look, I think Filoni has done a whole lot for Star Wars. So I still am like all on board the Filoni train. But I think that Dave Filoni has a tendency to hold a lot in reserve. He Hmm. really doesn't want characters to talk about things. He just sort of like has them talk around a lot of things. And a lot of Ahsoka was, here's some big issues and let's just not talk about them. And then let's have another character fill us in later on. Yeah, and Oh, this is what Sabine and Ahsoka were fighting about. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Well, I'd like to see them talk about it. So I think that I really want Ahsoka 2 to sort of pick up the pace. Um, Kind of the same way that Mando Season 2 did. I think Mando Mm -hmm. Season 1 was a lot of fun. But those episodes were very standalone. And I think we got to Season 2 and we really kind of hit warp speed on that so i would like to see that but all in all you went like into said,
2: hyperspace you went into hyperspace okay you hit warp speed. okay respect okay. the brand
1: man look ultimately it's the same thing ah, um, wow, <laughs> but no i so look i'm 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 excited about all this like i think even if we get like a season four of mando like seeing them on the big screen i think it's all Uh, they're, they're, they're putting the right characters at the
0: forefront for Star Wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, gentlemen, I mean, Favreau directing it makes sense because Filoni has no theatrical experience, right? As a director, certainly there are. Well, he's about to, Uh, well, yeah, right. He's about to, but you want to, you know, maybe give him a little more time before we get to it. But like the, the ahsoka season one his directing some people had some issues with but you look at favreau i mean iron man yes iron man 2 maybe not so much cowboys and aliens really not so much chef is nice jungle book is good lion king is tracing uh and then we get to uh, an episode of the mandalorian so also not necessarily a you know um 90 percent a uh, great director overall. He's had some hits and misses. Elf of course being one of the biggest hits for him. Zathura, people were uh, on the fence about. And of course Made was a good film as well. But what are you, what are your thoughts guys? Is Fabro going to be able to recapture that magic he had in Iron Man and other I, other films?
1: Yeah, I look, I don't think Iron Man 2 is a good movie. I don't think mm. Cowboys and Aliens is a good movie. Um but the directing is solid in that. Mm. Like the scripts are not good. Um, but it's not like yeah. he shit the bed as a director, like, no, like, no. John, like Favreau's a good director. Like he's, yeah. he's, uh, I think he's definitely, you know, like, look, I can't think I, I love Spielberg. I could list a bunch of Spielberg movies that I don't think are great either. Like, I think that Favreau has proven himself to be a solid director. Mm. And I think that having him helm any, movie. if, if you told me that Favreau was directing anything. I'd be like, great. He's a great director. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. Like, I think he's cool. more than proven himself behind the camera, even if he's had some stinkers in there. Mm. Um, so I think having him direct- I think having him in your corner, whether you're Marvel or Lucasfilm, yeah. as a creative storyteller, as a director, as someone who's going to step to help something, I think him directing this movie and then handing those characters off to Filoni to direct, uh, hopefully Filoni is getting more of his sea legs under him and is going to, to your point, going to be ready to to run that run with that ball. But like, I think that, um yeah, I think that Favreau's good. I'm, I'm yeah. good with that choice. Yeah. And,
2: and these are characters that are near and dear to his heart. These are, yeah. these are things that he came up with. So the, the hope is that extra care will be taken. Like, it would be really interesting to have, Like kind of a a very transparent conversation (laughs) because it's very it's it's been well documented. Like Iron Man two, like he wanted more time. Like this that was a really, really quick turnaround from Iron Man one into Iron Man Two. And that the the final product did suffer as a result of they just didn't have the time to nail the story the way they would like to. Um Lion King, Lion King's an interesting one. It was sort of like Disney just really wanted you to do this. So you said, okay, <laughs> because look, one point I mean, million, look,
0: million dollars. So, yeah,
2: I mean, and it was incredibly successful, but yeah, you know, awesome. no one in, in my, in my opinion, no one talks about that movie favorably. It was like, it was sort of the thing that he did in between uh jungle book and getting to do the other and, and getting to do the Mandalorian.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like X-Men last stand. Yeah. It made the most money of all the X-Men movies. No one really talks about that film favorably. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, anything more on this uh, gentlemen, or shall we any other speculation? You want to Like we haven't heard anything about Andor season two for fuck's sake. So, uh, you know, well, just cause little... I think
1: we haven't heard anything because it's like it's coming. OK, like there's nothing. There's no news because like they shot it all at the same time. Yeah. So we got like a great season of Andor. We all know it's amazing. Season two of Andor is coming we're going to get it it's going to yeah. be awesome and then
0: we're going to be good to go okay i hope so i know i feel i've heard from people that Filoni's not a big fan of andor so you know it's a shame all right anyway um all right well let's let's take a quick break And on the other side we're going to answer your stream labs and super chats and then get into our spoiler review for echo thank you so much for joining us live 300 of you hanging out with us here, over 300 of you hanging out with us here uh, this morning uh, on the West Coast, at least morning. Uh, So we appreciate it. Please make sure you hit hit that subscribe button down below, hit that bell button, leave comments. If you're watching later and if you want to send support, hit that super thanks button. You can send in financial support for the channel, for the show if you feel like it. Also, the Streamlabs and Super Chats, we're going to get to them here. So, send them in as we're going along here. And um, don't forget about our podcast, the Geek Buddies podcast, wherever you download podcasts, go and subscribe to that because we've gotten some cool new sponsors. So, we want to get more and more numbers behind that. So, more and more sponsors come aboard to support us and also support those sponsors. That uh, promote their products on our shows. We would appreciate that as well. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll jump into the Streamlabs Super Chats on the other side of this.
2: Bum-ba-da-ba. Bum-ba-da-ba. That's the second part of The Mandalorian. Oh, 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 that was okay.
1: All right. I mean, it was an attempt at it.
2: Oh, boy. okay. Wow. I went a little high. I went a little high. <laughs>
0: No one bats a 1,000. <laughs> Not
1: That's even Favro.
0: Not even Favreau.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Francisco Lopez says, if it's true, I'm glad Kang will still uh, be the big bad or big part of this saga. They can't let the Majors' situation affect their story. It has to continue. Um, yeah, guys, uh, thoughts on this? Uh, Jonathan Majors' interview earlier this week, uh, but then a lot of people uh, coming around on Coleman Domingo possibly playing Kang. So what are your thoughts on this real quick? Mike?
1: uh it's kind of what I said last week uh, I just think it's fun Marvel fans are funny. you're like all right <laughs> yeah let's get rid of Kang bring in doom let's uh, this multiverse is weird. hey what about Coleman Domingo yeah more Kang <laughs> I I don't disagree I think that I think that Marvel as they look Mar like, this is what I this is what I think I think Marvel had an opportunity to get off the Kang train if they wanted mm-hmm. And I think if they are gonna choose to continue on the Kang train yeah. it means that they think they've got a great Kang story.
3: Like, so I,
1: I, I'm going to give them the credit. Now they might not, we might all think they don't have a good Kang story at the end of the day, but they had a perfect opportunity to go, we bit off more than we could chew. Let's do something different. And if they do recast Kang and continue with that story, it means they feel pretty confident that what they've got is good. So if they feel confident and they have the time to fix it, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and then we'll see what happens when it happens.
0: Hmm. All right. Shannon, your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree, but also I think them coming into phase four, Mm. they were very confident (laughs) (laughs) about some of the offerings that they had. And there was as, as evidenced by perhaps some, the the declining enthusiasm that they were maybe a little off, Mm. um, But also you can point to the fact that they were doing more than they've ever done. And there was just sort of a lack of focus that they all are kind of acknowledging now and that they're taking this time to kind of refocus. And if Kang still plays a part of that refocusing, um, Coleman Domingo is a very dynamic actor. And if you want someone to fill those, you know, time hopping shoes, he could do it.
0: Michael, I'm guilty. Yeah, I said no more Kang. Coleman Domingo, I right, bring him back. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> I got no shame in my game. I got not lie. <laughs> Francisco said, "Is there a chance you guys will do a spoiler review for Monarch Legacy of Monsters?" I'm still only halfway through the season. I can certainly catch up if we want to do a spoiler review. Maybe as a geek bite next week could be a lot of fun. But we'll keep you in the loop, Francisco. If we do that, gentlemen, yes, yes, yeah, please. yeah.
1: I got, I got a spoiler review.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Christian uh, Contreras says, thoughts on Twisted Metal? I really enjoyed it, but I feel like it isn't being talked about. I hope I didn't bring up the celestial in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I love that. I, I, uh, I have not seen Twisted Metal, uh, so have you guys watched it at all? And, and Any thoughts on it?
2: I watched the first episode, and it was fine. Like I've heard that the first episode isn't the strongest. So okay. I mean, maybe that is something I will go back to. Um, but yeah, that the, the vibe that I got was, Oh, this is, this is an easy show to throw on and not totally pay attention to. And I've got about 20
1: of those.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So that's, that's kind of the feeling, but, if, but uh, maybe we'll go back and watch the second episode. We'll see. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, I'm like, oh, I'm interested in this. I should watch this. And then I'm like, ooh, but I got Blue-Eyed Samurai. Ooh, mm. but I got the latest episode of For All Mankind. Ooh, I should really go catch up on... Like, there's just so many things. So if you all tell us that we should watch it, I'll go check it out.
3: Okay,
0: sounds good. Uh, Andy Soul says, how would you guys feel about the actors that auditioned for Lois Lane getting another shot with Supergirl, Phoebe Dynavore, Emma Mackey, Samara Weaving? I, I, I think they... How oh, can I say this correctly without getting hate mail about aging in hollywood it just feels like and i'm i'm not sure but it feels like they're slightly older out of the time frame that maybe james would be looking for for supergirl so i think that's why they're not going to get a shot but i don't know gentlemen what do you think
2: i would say emma mackey definitely i yeah. i think you know she was playing a a college freshman high school senior not that long ago, believably, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, uh, Samara okay. Weaving, I I would say no. Okay. Um, and Phoebe Dynevor, I'm I'm not able to see her face right now. But of the three, I would say Emma Mackey. It would be great to give her a shot.
0: Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts here, um,
1: Mike? Yeah, I'm kind of with Shannon. I I think, I think out of the three, the one that I would, if I were a casting director, be like, oh yeah, bring her in, would be Emma Mackey. Okay. She's 28.
0: So it's, uh, it's let's say it's close to thirty. So I'm just saying, J&B says, and I'm not saying. Look, I, I, look, we just saw 24, Renee, 24 year old Renee Rapp supposedly play a senior in high school. Jamie I mean, listen, said, have
1: you seen? Have you
0: seen Grease, <laughs> bro? <laughs> trust me, bro, you're right. <laughs> listen, I go back and watch some of those movies. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, you go back and you watch Grease, and I'm like, high school. <laughs> this is an AARP meeting. Like, what is this? are these the teachers cosplaying as teenagers? <laughs> anyway jv said what about trek between uh the original series and the next generation there's like a 75 year gap there or are we treading dangerously close to the star wars dilemma of going backwards yeah i mean if you have a good story to tell i think it's always there's always places and times that have not been explored that could be interesting uh to explore for sure um but yeah and you have to have a great story and it's always dangerous with start yeah
1: you know you never want to say no like if there's a great story there's a great story i would have told you that doing an entire story about pike and the crew of the enterprise before kirk and spock came on was not a great idea and i would have been wrong because strange new world is absolutely killing it yeah. so if there's a really great story in there absolutely but i do think uh you know you you do run into that star wars dilemma mm. at a certain point you run out of space like look Clone Wars is great Rogue yeah. One is great Rebels is great so you can definitely go in and create new characters and fill in gaps where you yeah. have five years 10 years 20 years 30 years but you also shouldn't do it too much right right agreed
0: Shannon thoughts on that I'll I'll leave that one to you all <laughs> <laughs> all right let's hit some stream labs and uh we'll circle back to the uh Super Chats in a second uh Doug developer says hi guys I'm thinking of writing a screenplay for fun, and I'd just like to ask the writers on the panel. Ouch! What helped you improve <laughs> your skills the most? Was it a class, joining a writers group, a specific screenwriting book? Book. Thanks a bunch, uh, gentlemen. Who was um, it?
2: For, for me, it's actually it. It was. Um, you can find these on Amazon or Barnes Noble if you have a local bookstore near you, but finding a film that, you know, in its, uh, in its uh, text form and being able to kind of like, again, a film that, you know, real well and seeing kind of how things are laid out, not just the dialogue, but also the descriptions of the scene, the action. um, That's, that's a big help um, is kind of seeing like, seeing the visual representation of something that you already know on, on a page. Um, And also just seeing, seeing movies, watching TV shows. I mean, I never took a proper screenwriting course. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what I know how to do is a result of, reading my friend's work but also just having watched a lot of film and television and you sort of even though you might know now you might not know the exact terminology at the beginning um, you will have a sense of how things are supposed to go Vogel was the one who had to explain to me what what an act one break meant and Mm. and I was just like oh you mean when this happens like yeah that's what this means and it's like oh okay got it
0: right uh Mike do you want to Add some more to this.
1: Yeah. Look, there's a lot of great books uh, on structure and screenwriting. I think Shannon's right. I think Mm -hmm. reading scripts and screenplays from movies that you love, which you can find at Barnes and Nobles, is a great start. You sort of see how it's laid out, where the action is, where the dialogue is, the way they describe things. Uh, This is a book that I actually just had on my desk because somebody else asked me about it, but I got this years ago. It's called The Writer's Journey. Uh, The Writer's Journey, Mythic Structure for Storytellers and Screenwriters by Christopher Vogler. Uh, So there it is for anybody who wanted The Writer's Journey, Mythic Structure for Storytellers and Screenwriters. And I thought this was a great book because it kind of talks about the hero's journey – Uh, A lot of the the stuff that George Lucas was inspired by in Star Wars and kind of gives you movie examples. So the way that I sort of started to build my understanding of how movies were structured was around that Um, you could go to like Save the Cat. If you look up Save the Cat online, that's an entire uh, storytelling methodology Um, story by Robert McKee. Is another big one, but there's no one way to tell a story. I, I think reading the, getting the more theories that you can, like no one, oh, there it is, Story by Robert McKee. Yeah. Um, none of them are 100% right, but all of them kind of start to give you that language of being able to talk about a movie in a more structural way. Uh, So that when you're talking to other writers, you see it. And I think that combined with then reading the movies, reading the scripts of the movies you love and then going back and watching the movies you love, like the thing that made it the easy. I always use Disney movies as examples, but like being able to go like, oh, Little Mermaid is about Little Mermaid is about this. This is the core emotional <laughs> issue in Little Mermaid. This is the Act One break in Little Mermaid. This is the Act Two break in Little Mermaid. And being able to go through the movies you love and identify those moments helps you start to figure out how you can put those
0: moments in your script. Yeah. Well, that's great advice, both of you. You know, for anyone who's interested in getting into writing, um, Porter Porter Geek Puerto Geekin uh, said a few weeks back on the Hot Mic, I proposed casting Alan Richson. As the authorities' midnighter, what do you think about pairing him up with Lee Pace as Apollo?
3: Ooh.
0: I defer to my, uh, to our resident gay uh, geek buddy, uh, Michael. Alan,
1: Uthman. who? Alan Ritson from, from Reach. Jack Reacher.
0: Oh, ooh.
1: Oh. <laughs> and Lee Pace? I could see that That yeah. that's actually that's actually pretty good casting now that I'm, I wouldn't have thought of either of those two. Yeah. But I think as I'm thinking of Apollo and Midnighter, I think they both sort of fit that vibe. Like, you know, Midnighter and Apollo are interesting. Like, you know, for those that don't know, it's the authority. The authority is like that's basically their version of Superman and Batman, except that they're gay lovers. And Apollo is a complete Superman style badass. And Midnighter wears a whole lot of leather and a mask. But uh, I think that they kind of fit that vibe.
0: OK, Shannon, uh, your thoughts on that as a fellow Reacher fan? Yeah, you, you like. That? I mean, <laughs> so I had this discussion with Mike Kalinowski, oh. uh, who,
2: who loves Reacher. I don't know, um, champ. I don't know. Yeah, huh? <laughs> um, watching Alan Richson beat the crap out of someone is so satisfying. Yeah. I feel like when Alan Richson is acting, I don't think he is the strongest. I, I don't disagree with you. Like yeah, I, I mean, I think you can look back at his work in Titans when he was Hawk, or even to some of the Hunger Games movies. Um, he, he does not he does not convey the best with dialogue. It feels very very stilted to me. Champ Kalinowski tried to tell me, "Well, well that's Reacher. That's Reacher." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's what he does in everything." <laughs> so if um, if if Midnighter is sort of a, uh, a stilted line delivering character <laughs> yeah. uh then then yeah <laughs> okay.
0: there you go. but again
2: watching him punch someone
0: is a lot of fun i agree it is uh it is i love that show and the second season was fucking fantastic so um all right i am two fly cam says a beautiful nil scandal from florida state to wrap the college football season up <laughs> lol seminoles just can't help but violate some rules first of all i, I am two fly cam that is a bunch of horse shit uh, <laughs> Who was the loudest accuser of the bullshit going on at the NCAA's by them not letting us be in the playoffs because the SEC has allegedly bought them out? Oh, it was Florida State. So, of course, they're going to go and try and find shit. But, scene stealing un- or sign stealing university. Barely got a slap on the wrist, and they won a national championship. So you tell me if the fix is in that they went after the one school who is only—they're the only school violating the NI rule—is Florida State. Suck a bag of D's. Anyway, are you—are you telling me uh Star Wars saw the Benioff and Weiss movie concept about the first Jedi and just gave it to Mangold? Wow, the lawyers. Yeah, gentlemen, that came out earlier this week. Benioff and Weiss. Oh, we talk, we, oh
1: wait, we done about—we done talking about football. <laughs>
0: We done? Look, it happened up. You know, it just showed up. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about, real quick, Benioff and Weiss. Right, I'm back. All right, good. <laughs> that's good. <The> Hollywood Reporter <laughs> uh, had a um, – or is it Hollywood Reporter? I think it was Hollywood Reporter did a, 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 a long conversation with Benioff and Weiss about all their projects uh, because they've got Three Body Problem coming out, which is, looks like an awesome – the trailer is great. Um, and they asked him about the Star Wars film, and they essentially said that they – proposed doing a dawn of the Jedi movie called the first Jedi. And that uh, they event and that Lucasfilm felt like they weren't the droids they were looking for. And now we've got a film coming out essentially. That is the dawn of the Jedi from James Mangold. So y- is this a matter of uh, it's not you? It's me. Uh, what, what do you, what, what happened to you? <laughs>
2: so, uh, so uh, if you are hired, buy a studio to develop a property and in this case Benny and Weiss developing a star wars take um and ultimately that take with you in charge does not go forward yeah. the studio still owns that I because mean, you're working for them it's the same situation with the ray movie with damon lindelof i mean well, that right. was yeah. something that they, they came in and pitched they you know uh, uh <clears throat> lucasfilm said yeah they started developing it ultimately it's like hey we we like the idea we don't want to you know we don't want to We're not working well together. So the studio still owns it. So, um, but I think a dawn of the concept of a Don of the Jedi, like that people are talking about ways to expand their brands all the time. And so the idea that Benioff and Weiss were the ones who introduced this probably isn't accurate. But even if, even if they were, um, it's still Star Wars. They were hired to do a job. They did the job. It didn't go forward. So that's, it's theirs to do with what they want.
0: Okay. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on this? Is it pretty? Yeah, I don't think going in and
1: pitching "Let's do the beginning of the Jedi" <laughs> is the most like it's not like there holy shit. You mean there was a beginning to the Jedi? What? A beginning to the Jedi? Like, okay, guys. Like, yes, you pitched something that you probably weren't the first people to come up with that. You won't be the last. <laughs> yeah. And Shannon's right. Even if Lucasfilm had never thought about doing a story about the origin of the Jedi, which I find <laughs> hard to believe um yeah you pitch somebody a thing yeah and they like it's one thing if Benioff and Weiss had been like, like if, if if Star Wars would come out and said we are doing a story about a droid that rises up and says I don't like how droids are treated and becomes the very first droid Jedi and they said no thanks and then Mangold was like, "So I'm telling this story about a droid Jedi. <laughs> like that's more specific. That you're like, okay, maybe maybe that's fucked up. But the dawn of the Jedi, it's like, get the fuck out of here."
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, let's. T- we got more streamlabs super chats to get to, but we'll put those at the end of the show here. Let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll jump into our um Echo review. Uh, spoil. And this is a spoiler review of the first five episodes, or the five episodes rather. Here on the channel, 322 of you joining us right now. Make sure you subscribe down below, hit that bell button, subscribe to our podcast, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Uh, right after this, do 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 do
2: do do do
0: You clearly gave him a lot of inspiration, Michael, to do better on that one. So that was good. I like that. He's done that one a few times. He's had practice. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Let's see. Let's move on to Echo here. Uh, The first five episodes dropped earlier this week. The Uh, five episodes. Not the first. Sorry, sorry. The five episodes. All of them. Some people had a shot at watching the first three. This is the first time I think that I can remember – where I waited till all the episodes dropped. I had a feeling that it would have been, that it was like a complete thing to watch. And I'm glad I did because I think I got um, the feeling that this was a a story the way, this was the way the story was meant to be told. And I kind of enjoyed that overall. This is from uh, creator and showrunner Marion Dare, who uh, was a a Better Call Saul veteran, uh, lead director and the EP Sydney Freeland, of course, a very big part of this. Amy Rarden, one of the writers on this one, starring Aleco Cox as Maya slash Echo, Vincent D'Onofrio's as Kingpin, Devery Jacobs as Bonnie, who some of you may know from Reservation uh, Dogs, and also recently as the voice of Kahori in the uh, What Ifs episode. Tantu Cardinal as Chula. Tantu is so great. Legendary actress from Dance with Wolves, recently on Dark Winds. Graham Greene, Dance with Wolves, as Scully. Chasuke Spencer as Henry Black Crow Lopez. Cody Lightning as, as Biscuits. Darnell Bissau as the young Maya and Zan McLaren as William Lopez reprising the role as Maya's dad. This one is essentially about a deaf Choctaw girl. That is who Echo is, whose mother dies when she's a little girl whose father then moves from Oklahoma to New York city to work for a criminal, uh, to work for Kingpin in essence. And after her father dies, Maya becomes her and his enforcer finds out that Kingpin actually set up her father to die, shoots him in the face and then heads off to Tomahawk, Oklahoma to recover and possibly take over kingpin's franchise and then finds out he's alive which leads to a a massive battle uh this also goes back in time to show that her echo is not necessarily that she can imitate other people's moves like we saw in the comics but that her ancestors are echoing through her as a both a fighter and a healer and that's where things end up at the end so Gentlemen, um, oh, this is also the first series to carry the spotlight banner uh, and the first one to be rated TBMA. So, Michael, I go to you first, as I do with these uh, with these uh, reviews, your overall thoughts on uh, these five episodes of Echo and the Echo series.
1: Man, it's a mixed bag. To be honest mm-hmm. with you. Echo is a real mixed bag for me because I don't think it's great. Yeah, I think the okay. first episode particularly is kind of a mess. And the. Echo Kingpin storyline is just filled with stuff that I'm like, wait, what? So we know that Wilson Fisk is the guy who doesn't even want to be named who's behind the scenes, but he happens to have Fisk shipping in Echo's hometown. And like, (laughs) there was just so many things that I was like, okay, what? Echo wants to be the queen pin of crime, and the way that she decides to do that is to go back to her hometown where she doesn't want to talk to anybody and do it from there. Like There were just so many things where I was like, what's going on? And I didn't really love that. I, I was very frustrated by a lot of the storytelling. Okay. That being said, I think the entire cast of actors was great mm. i think really leaning into echo's heritage as a choctaw indian uh indigenous indigenous person was great i think the adaptation of echo's powers and to do this whole storyline of these your ancestors are echoing through you was great mm. um and i think that Alequa cox as echo is great like i really like her so there was by the time we got to the end of it i thought that I really liked where Echo was. And I really kind of was very, um, I just felt very like I liked the cast. Mm. I really just liked all of the characters that she surrounded herself with, but the actual storyline and some of the things they did, uh, I was just like, what the, what, what the fuck are you doing? Also, as much as I made fun of them Mm. for having a bunch of trailers that were like this is tvma violence like you've never seen before i'm still wondering where the tvma was
0: there was some blood
3: there was a little
1: there was a little bit of blood but like look you tell me that punisher is tvma you tell me that daredevil Mm. on netflix is tvma and i watch it and i'm like yeah you're right like that's (laughs) intense this i was like this is a marvel movie with this much more fake blood like it was not very and and just all of the uh echo Wilson Fisk stuff I just was like what what he like shows up and he's like let's have some wine come back don't come back so I'm going to kidnap your family who I don't even really know and expect like it was there was so much sort of happenstance and coincidence to the actual plot line that it drove me crazy but emotionally and from a uh, really leaning into her
0: heritage stuff, it was great. Okay. Uh, Shannon, your overall thoughts on on this uh, series?
2: Yeah, I thought it was pretty uneven. Um, I think by the time you get to the end of episode five, even the way they conclude everything, it's like, I feel like you, I, this feels like an incomplete. Yeah. Like there was supposed oh, to be I, more excuse- here and you kind of, you just kind of ran out of time because there it, it didn't really end like it was just sort of like, oh, OK, now she's we have a, we have a little musical montage catching up with everybody. And that's that's it. OK. Yeah. Um, uh, Alakwa Cox is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think we always knew she could she could bring that intensity from Hawkeye. But watching her scenes with her grandmother when she says, you know, I needed you. You chose yeah. yourself. And yeah. then that scene with her mom. Like, it, I, like I watched the finale this morning. Mm. And in a show that I thought um, dropped the ball in, in a number of places in the storytelling and in some of the directing and the editing. Um, that moment between her and her mom, I'm like, man, I'm getting choked up right now. Like it was this. great. There mm-hmm. are some really good ideas here. Just not all of them were executed that well. And again, for mm-hmm. like for Alacra Cox too, this is her first role. Yeah. I mean, and granted, she started it in Hawkeye, um, but she is fantastic. And I hope we get to see more of her. I agree. The Kingpin stuff didn't make sense. It was almost like you sh- Kingpin shouldn't have been in this show. Maybe, Maybe mm-hmm. in episode one. Um, but he really shouldn't have been the thread. I mean, I feel like you you could have had a um, a better antagonist that would have tied in with her story, with what she was trying to do. Like she's literally a wounded bird going back to the nest, trying to recover. Um, I feel like there was a. Be- I feel like there was just a better way to do it. The majority of the cast, I really liked. I always love seeing Graham Greene. Um, I got <laughs> Cody Lightning as Biscuits. I had a real hard time with wow i did not think he was funny i felt he was pushing it so so hard that it got to be in in a sequence that again i mean i get the you know her hopping on the train i was like what is what are we doing (laughs) um um in that sequence i feel like if you had had a a a more skilled a more skilled comedic actor i think that could have been a more exciting sequence but ultimately it kind of left me wanting and the lacrosse sequence again that was for me that was one of those that was one of those sequences i'm like there there was a better way to do this to really get in there and see what a rough rough game this was oh you mean the
0: 13th century stuff the stickball stuff yeah yeah
2: um that that sequence really kind of left me wanting i'm like i feel like there was an opportunity here to really kind of to really get in and make yeah. this a little more exciting, but everything was just so far back. And just a lot of the action with the exception of in the first scene hmm. um, with, with the, 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 first action sequence that we see echo in with Daredevil. Yeah. Um, I thought a lot of the action was very, very static. Um, but again, Alakwa Cox is fantastic.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I liked it. I liked it much more than secret invasion for sure. Oh um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 I like, I like Cox, certainly Shannon. I echo I loved her in the role. I've totally believed her when she's having the interactions with Kingpin and Michael. I think you're absolutely right. It seems way out of but it but you know the Kingpin does that weird shit in the comics. It just it feels weird to see it in a in a TV or a theatrical format because of the rules of TV and theatrical formats that are different. So I and and I totally understand that. But I thought her performances there were great back and forth with Vince. She held her own with one of the greatest actors we've ever had in Vincent D'Onofrio, for sure. Who I think really came into his own much more as Kingpin in this show than he does in the Hawkeye show, which I liked seeing. And of course, in, in Daredevil, he's great there. So we said we saw shades of that that hopefully we're going to see in Born Again. Um, but, and I, but I loved the Native American stuff. That all really really worked for me we're seeing more and more content with dark winds with reservation dogs with certainly killers of the flower moon there's much more native american content much more native american actors we're seeing these incredibly talented people who have just been waiting for opportunities to show what they can do and i thought a lot of them really Mm. uh um, worked in the show especially tantu cardinal as you said earlier uh uh, shannon the connection that she has with her i thought worked really well uh, as well. The Devery Jacobs, though, is the thing that's confusing to me because you build her up as a big deal in the first episode and then she only pops in in certain moments. You don't have that. You have that kind of, when they're tied up, that kind of, oh, where were you? Why didn't you? But Bonnie should have been a bigger part of this show. And and I think, I don't know if it was Michael or Shannon who said that, if we had removed Kingpin and maybe had a Kingpin um, Lieutenant or Captain who was coming after her much better than that Welsh guy from Perry Mason, who I thought was comically <laughs> stupid in the in the show. And I loved him in Perry Mason. I thought he was comically stupid in this show. If you had, had someone a, a bit more chilling, a bit more of a villain there, who is trying to maybe vie for control of King, or somehow in some way sees Kingpin damaged and might make his move, sees that Lequa Cox's echo is trying to make the move as well, and then you have a battle in Tamaha, that makes sense to me. But Mike, you're right trying to launch a bid to take over the new york king new york empire from Tamaha, oklahoma doesn't make any motherfucking sense um so i thought if they had just pushed the kingpin stuff aside and made it about a woman who is trying to find her voice in the world reconnecting with the women female ancestors of her past so she can move away from the grooming of the male uh negative influences in her life and her father teaching her her father like taking her into kingpin's World and the kingpin teacher to be enforcer, I think that would well, have been a much more powerful story. But it seems like they didn't 100 percent get there in either one of the arenas that they were going for. But I did like it. it Michael, you wanted to say Yeah, more. it kind
1: of feels like it just like when you're when you're working on a story like this, you kind of ask, why do you do something? Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, her wanting to be the queen pin and sticking into Wilson Fisk is unnecessary because if you took that out entirely. As soon as Wilson Fisk is better from this yep. gunshot that didn't kill him at point blank range, um, but is like what's he gonna do? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He would have
1: gone and he would have gone after Maya regardless. His his going after Maya had more to do with I need you. They they really they put it in the like you know, it the first episode is a me- is a mess of editing, first of all. Like the fact that they had to take so much of Hawkeye yeah. and stick it in there to sort of like make it make sense was all over the place. But you had the Charlie Cox cameo that people were excited about, and you showed that Echo held her own against Daredevil. And then yeah. you have Wilson Fisk say, "You held your own better than anybody else." So Wilson Fisk wanting Maya, yeah. Back under the fold, despite the fact that she shot him or going after her for revenge are both perfectly good reasons. So to your point, her going back to Tomahawk, because she had literally nowhere else to go yeah. just to heal and lick her wounds. And then Kingpin going, I'm going to find you. And hey, guess what? Checking out where you came from is a period right. Like you, the whole Queenpin thing was unnecessary Freeze. and all the other stuff was more interesting. And the Bonnie thing is the same thing. It's like it just feels like the story they wanted to tell the it was her and her grandma. Mm hmm it was her and Chula and 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 to your point I I also think that Tantu Cardinal is like the MVP of the show I thought she was so fucking good and so it does seem it it makes sense that like they set up this Bonnie thing but you're like Bonnie's cool but she doesn't have a lot to do and this whole show is about Echo and her grandmother and her ancestors. And that is a straight line. So you sort of, when you're writing something, you want to take away everything that's unnecessary. You keep just like chipping away at it until you get to the core of it. And her and her grandma was the core of it. And when they leaned into that, to Shannon's point, yeah, the scene with Echo and her grandmother, great. The scene with Echo and her mom, great. Mm -hmm. The concept, Shannon's not wrong about some of the way it was shot, but the concept Of seeing this stickball tournament and seeing this person who Mm -hmm. was tied to chaffa and seeing the light bringers or whatever the 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 indigenous sheriff were and seeing that woman and seeing chaffa and these native americans and seeing this native american kind of mythology come to life all of that stuff was great yeah and had the show really leaned into that even more and kind of cut away some of the silliness of the plot I think it would have been maybe one of their best shows to date as it is. I think you're right. Like we can talk about the fact that some of this was silly and it didn't work, but from a character standpoint, I did leave echo way more satisfied than I left secret invasion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, um, I think the, the thing you hit on as you were talking, Mike, that actually kind of made it clear to me, too as I was listening to you is yeah, if they had made it about healing this trauma between the, both of them, the grandmother, and who had lost her daughter, and the woman who had lost her mom, and that—that that was the connective tissue. And that maybe both of them have been out of sorts since this loss for so many years, and it's healing that wound, which would have still echoed through all the family, the female ancestors of her past, all the way to the first Choctaw, which I thought was a, a, a beautifully well-shot sequence, uh, and the sequence with the light horsewomen or light, hor- light horsemen, who she ends up, uh, her ancestor ends up saving them. I thought all of that was great. If we had focused on that and kind of stripped everything away and made it that Kingpin was coming after her and she is finding her strength and her power through her people so that there's now an army of her people against Kingpin, that would have been an awesome ending so that when you see Kingpin, well, we see, but I don't know if Kingpin sees the five ancestors standing with right. her. As they go after him, then there's a real power in that finale, so that when she channels the energy, which I don't know, does that make her a mutant? Not I don't know. It you you you're like, Oh fuck, here we go, as opposed to being like, Oh, okay, we're going that route. Okay, well, they've done I like the story so far in terms of the Native American stuff. Okay, let's see what more we can do with this and what have you. Because I don't know where we end up with Kingpin at the end. Has he faced his trauma? Is he going to be a better person no, or is no, he no. more damaged? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but to that point, I did want to bring that up because yeah. this is another thing
1: that they did that, again, I think was really smart and I think could have been a little clearer given yeah. the point that you just said, Like, which is – it's a little unclear, which is this show is also about Echo. I mean I'll – uh, uh, um, I'll, King- uh Maya, sorry, I was like, what's her? It's about Maya mm -hmm. letting go of the anger that she's carried her whole life. Yeah. yeah. So she is angry about her mom dying. She's angry about her dad dying. She kills Kingpin because she's so mad. She's just got all of this anger. And ultimately she learns to let go of the anger and find something more valuable. And then because she has the healing gifts that her mother has within her, when she does go into Fisk's head at the end, she is kind of saying, let go of this. Like you are living in this anger of this moment. This, you let this thing, I mean, again, uh, just kind of childhood trauma and therapy. Like you're letting this moment from your childhood define everything about you, let it go. And he refuses to let it go. So you see her kind of like, even though she hates Fisk and Fisk is her enemy and Fisk had her dad killed, she tries to like help him heal and he refuses. And I think that was a really great moment that maybe could have been- Again, I, I think they did the moment well. It gets into there are so many other things going on. It's like pull back everything else and tell like a super streamlined story because I think that worked pretty well that she learned to move past. And, and also her there pain. was something yeah. – yeah. yeah, like that Fisk fed on her pain.
0: Yes, right. Fisk like kind of said,
1: yeah. let me use your pain right. to turn you into the weapon that I want. Yeah. Whereas her mom and her grandmother and the people that are her real family were like, let go of this pain yeah. and become more. And I think that is a great story that got a little uh, lost in some of the other stuff that was going on.
0: Yeah, Shannon, do you think we should have had more with her dad, with Zan McClaren? Like, let's see her as a teenager. Let's see her like discover her father's world. And then, I mean, we see the scene where she comes up and kicks the guy after Kingpin has beat, her, beat the dude up. And we get, it. okay, so she has that instinct. But what about her father? Why did her father bring her into this world? Why did her father let her go walk into this world? Why did her father let her become this kind of uh, murderous assassin or whatever? Like, why did all of this happen um, in in her world? I wanted to, I don't know about you, but I wanted to see more so that when we get to the Kingpin situation, we understand that she has confronted her pain and she has to heal from her pain and trying to heal Kingpin. And in essence, stripping that all away it makes sense, kind of a, a, it's almost like an advertisement for mental health going to therapy because all of this. I mean, in that scene, I was looking at myself in that scene, like, okay, how much of my pain from my past still drives me today? Because you see Kingpin rejected because he still needs it. He needs it in his mind because if he lets it go, he doesn't know who he's going to be Is he going to be successful? Is he still going to be the kingpin of crime if he lets go of that anger? So did you think maybe seeing more of that journey for Alekwa as the character, sorry, as Maya as the character, would have made uh, the impact of the ending even more stronger?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, one, uh, Zan McLaren is a terrific terrific
0: performer please he, watch dark winds guys there's two seasons of it he is the lead he's incredible in that series yeah,
2: he, he he's a great performer and i think you could have fleshed him out i think you could have fleshed his relationship and and younger echo out a little bit more and you could have fleshed a little bit more out with him and kingpin like why exactly great Fisk points Fisk yeah. wanted him out of the way right, right. um that's what again that's what the whole thing just had this feeling of of uh not being complete yeah um and i think five episodes is something they've never done before and i hear that you know there were rumors it was eight then it was six then it was five um so i i don't know what happened during the writing during the production process if that is true and maybe the intention was always for it to be five we don't know um but it it does seem like there, there there are just some gaps that had they been filled in with some good stuff um, it would
1: have helped. It would have helped that ending a little bit more. Yeah, so, so i I have a feeling, and again, yeah. I don't know, and they're not going to tell us. But when you see a show like this, that when you hear it was eight episodes, and then it was six episodes, then it's five episodes, and then they drop it all at once, and then and then particularly for me, when you watch the first episode, like a lot of the Echo as a little girl or Maya as a little girl, the Maya fight with Daredevil, that could have been done like you could have opened the episode with Maya on a bike heading to Tamaha and her remembering things, mm. but the fact that they sort of did this, let's do a chronological and let's drop in these scenes from Hawkeye and then let's put this here, but then we're going to have this daredevil fight, but then we're going to show the scene from Hawkeye. It just felt like really choppy. Mm. And even the Bonnie stuff, the fact that we're all sitting here, we're like, yeah. well, they made a big deal about of Bonnie, but then Bonnie was kind of there, but then it's really about her grandma. That all speaks to, there's a lot that was cut out. Mm that somebody deemed was not good maybe they were right maybe they were wrong but somebody at some point was like like i'm sure that the creators of the show when you when they hear people saying yeah the bonnie what happened with bonnie they're like yeah there's we there was all this bonnie (laughs) stuff man we had all of it like but like either either they felt that it wasn't good or it didn't fit or stuff like this definitely feels like a show where they had a bunch of stuff and they're like fuck this isn't working and yeah. what we saw was a whole lot of this being built in the editing bay yeah yeah
0: well what do you guys think about the we 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 talked about how she goes we see these um uh scenes here from her ancestors past there is this blue circle thing that is very reminiscent of what we got with Kahori in the what if episode so are they trying to connect all this up to some to a Native American world that is influenced by the Tesseract in some way? Or what do you think about this? Am I insane for making that connection?
1: I don't think you're insane for making that connection exactly. because they're so close to each other. We literally just got the what-if episodes, and the Kahori episode is a standout that yeah. really was so great. I think it sort of lessens the impact of what they were trying to do here, 100%. tying it to the Tesseract. I agree. Yeah. I think that – I think like going, oh, well, the Choctaw people had this power because of the Tesseract. I, I don't even want to get into that. I love that we see this very sort of weird opening with these people that are, look like they're made of bark, and then they become the first yeah. the first people of the Choctaw uh, race, and that, that that power is just inherent in them. This is the power of them as the indigenous people uh, and the Choctaw tribe. I, I don't want to – sci-fi it up or make it all tied to infinity stones i think just being on the face of it this is the power of who maya is because of her people as an indigenous person is great full stop period don't tie it to anything else and the uh their
2: their illuminated palms were Mm. not blue yeah that's true they were kind of like an orangish yellow color uh orangish yellow color uh so that tells me a that's that's a separation from what we saw in what if
0: Well, let's hit on something else that Michael brought here, guys. Um, And Shannon, I'll go to you first on this. I mean, they had to still have the Daredevil cameo. They had to still kind of connect things up. Do you think it was, like, this is what unfortunately can be, what can, what bogs down some of these shows now is that they have to also announce other shows. They have to tie into other things. They have to be launching pads for other shows. Because, yeah, the fight sequence was great, I thought, in my opinion. But in the end, we didn't see him again. And so I'm it just seemed odd to just have him there for one, for one fight and then roll on out of there, and then we're going to see them down the road in Daredevil Born Again. Did you like the call-outs to the overall MCU in the show, or do you think it was a bit of a detriment?
2: I mean, I thought the I, I thought that fight scene was great. I, mm. Like, I was I was reading some critique online. Was like, oh, you can see they're you know they're telegraphing the punches, and you you can see they're missing. It's like, well, yeah, like that 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 happens. Um, Wait till
0: you watch pro wrestling, guys. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well,
2: I was gonna say, watch Rocky Three. <laughs> <I mean, laughs>
0: watch Luke kick that guy on the barge,
2: please. <laughs> <laughs> but the the scene itself, I'm like, oh man, this is really awesome, and getting getting to see Charlie Cox do yeah. Daredevil again. Did you? need daredevil in that no absolutely yeah. not <laughs> like you could have had her her beating up any number any number of of uh, of bad guys and the result is still the same the fact that king ben said hey you know you've done better than any of my other guys like none of that none of none yeah. of that affected the outcome um so you do get the sense like they, they have charlie cox in the stable they want to use him i get
1: why they do it but did yeah. they need him
2: no yeah yeah michael
1: It's a shame because I don't think that this suffers from, like, the Wakanda Forever issue. Yeah. Like, there was so much stuff in there that you were like, I don't think we needed all of that, guys. Pull back a little bit. This, the fight scene was great. It makes sense that he would have shown up. It all worked. But then it didn't, to Shannon's point, it didn't really mean anything. Whereas, Mm -hmm. again, if you were like, Kingpin turns Maya into a weapon. She fights Daredevil, proving that she is a very valuable weapon. She shoots Kingpin. She goes to heal. Kingpin shows up and says, you can't leave. You're my most valuable weapon. Yeah. Then the fight makes sense because it sort of drives Kingpins, but because so many other things were happening. So I liked the scene, and I think they could have used it better. Given the way it all ended up, it did feel kind of extraneous and kind of like they were just doing it for the fans. Mm. And it almost would have been better to not have him in there. But there's a world where that scene could have made a lot more sense. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Is there,
2: is it improved if we get uh, like, we got the tag with, you know, fist contemplating running for mayor.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask about that. Is, is, is,
2: is is an additional tag with uh, us seeing Charlie Cox and echo show up saying, Hey, you and I, you and I should have a conversation. Does that improve it at all? (laughs) No.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then they put on all the other Netflix shows and watch them at the same <laughs> time.
3: Oh, these are, these are canon now. These are
0: canon now.
1: No, I think –
0: They're all having shawarma, Luke, Luke Cage, yeah. Jessica Jones. There.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine
0: how – like
1: if like Echo like rolled her bike back in and then like a door opened and it was just like Luke Cage and the Punisher and Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock and they were like, shawarma? And we'd all be like, fuck you where's iron fist i was gonna oh, say is, is there is there an
2: empty seat where iron fist is supposed to be in? They're like hey we we have a chair open
1: he's late that was an a, that late. was an intentional omission <laughs> um no like look i think that like, i think seeing there like i love charlie cox's daredevil the more that i see of him the better and i like it like I, it was a great scene like there was a thrill to watching it but i think it did suffer from it almost feels like what was originally intended for that or where it was also like, there was just a lot that felt like there was band And I, and I do like, as I'm critiquing the kind of plot line of the Fisk and she wants to be the queen pin, it really does feel like there's a lot of band-aids being put over stuff to fix other things, Yeah, but there really is a good story. And to your point about secret invasion, look, we're going to critique all these shows. We're going to take all these yeah. shows seriously and break them down and talk about what worked and what didn't work. And I think as opposed to other uh, podcast we're not going to be like this was fucking garbage blah blah but like we're there, there's pros and cons to a lot of these things and i think the big pro here um in addition to like some amazing performances and really leaning on the indigenous culture in a way that worked for the character it didn't feel forced it didn't feel like they were shoving anything down our throats like this was a really great reimagining of why echo is named echo
3: yeah
1: um echo in the Mar- in the marvel cinematic universe i'm in for more of her yeah. she's great like watching yeah. her and uh and daredevil and anybody else kind of be those street level heroes of the mcu like she's awesome so yeah. i'm 100 on board for more of her i like where she ended up at the end of this journey um i just think the journey could have been a little bit better
0: i think there's a darker grittier story to tell here and if this is on hbo max or max We get that darker story. Ironically, under the Warner Brothers auspices, we get that darker story. We get like Kingpin waking up, realizing it was Maya, marshaling his people together, mapping this out, finding her, figuring this all out. We get Maya coming home to Tamaha and really dealing with the trauma of what happened there, confronting the stuff about her father, confronting the stuff about her mom, about her grandmom. We get all that. We have the comedy relief of Biscuits and Graham Greene, who I think were great comedic relief, although I know Shannon's not a Biscuits fan. We're nice uh, changes of pace in the situation. And we also get a really deep exploration of this Choctaw heritage and get really deeper into it and see the connection, so that we lead to this incredibly awesome, balls-out, R-rated finale that they pitched us as a TV MA show. And unfortunately, we didn't get that here. But what we did get, in my opinion, I think was enough to enjoy, was enough to see that there's possibilities for this character and possibilities for the spotlight banner. But I don't know how much Disney will be willing to dive into the gritter aspects of on, And we'll see.
1: We'll wait see. a minute. Wait a minute. Look, their TVMA thing. I mean, at this point, I think their TVMA thing was a marketing ploy. Like okay. there was just like All it right. wasn't a t like it wasn't TVMA, but they they were like, look, we're gonna lean into this. I think that Born Again is probably gonna be a lot darker and a lot more violent. I think, I think they ended up with what they had for Echo, and they were okay. like, what are we gonna market this? And they went for the TVMA. I don't think that Disney allows Echo to be rated TVMA, but then mm-hmm. says don't really make it TVMA. I don't think that this is a Disney okay. being like, ooh, let's call it TVMA, but not really go for it. Like, this whole concept, again, it's the same as with Andor wait, wait, and wait, everything wait.
0: else. Wait, we, Okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah. You Sorry. can't keep saying that Disney doesn't want to go dark. I
0: can if their point of view of dark is not the same as darker people's point of view of dark. Their TVMA is way softer than I bet the Penguin is going to be on Max. Sure, but
1: like, I don't think say. that... But I don't think that Disney is preventing them. I think they just had this show and they're like, Mm -hmm. let's call it TVMA. I I don't think that Disney is like, don't make Marvel too violent. Like, you have a spotlight banner that you literally are saying, this is our darker, more violent thing so that you can do that. Like, this is not there's this there's this thing that keeps happening where we keep when we don't like something and we think it wasn't the gritty thing we wanted we're like the
0: disney executive said that
1: i just don't think that's true i just think that, this wasn't as good as it could be. Those words did not come out of my
0: mouth those words did not come out of my mouth i just said there's a better version down the road under the warner brothers auspices because i've seen this on max where there's a grittier approach to this okay. i in that way did i say the disney executives went in there and said you better tone this down i didn't say that it's just that their okay. approach is a certain approach and not everyone's going to have the same approach. And for my taste, the Warner brothers approach, when it comes to these kinds of stories are the approach as the approach I prefer more than the Disney po- approach with and or being the anomaly. So that's okay. my point of view on it, you know, cause we're, we're not all going to see things the same way. So your dark is not my dark. Shannon's dark is not my dark or Vogel's dark and, and uh, you know, and vice versa. And people watching us have different versions of what dark is, and so that's that's the thing. At the end of the day, you know. Okay, Shannon. Okay.
2: No, no. I was just thinking of the acronym for Disney Plus TVMA means TV mutually appropriate.
0: <laughs> TV
3: slightly dark.
2: <laughs> TVM. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, you don't don't have to see it as a negative, Michael. It's just saying that Disney sees it's not it's not it's not
1: it's not that it's a negative or a positive. I just think you are placing what ultimately is a create like there is a creator like this show just didn't really deliver on what it promised it was going to deliver, Mm -hmm. which is like, had it been amazing? Like, and by the way, I'm not purporting that I think it needed to be super, super violent. Um, I think the problems with it have nothing to do with the darkness level, and I think yeah. they definitely delved into the indigenous stuff and the Choctaw stuff. I think that's mm. where they were most successful. So I'm not saying that it needs to be violent. I'm just saying they went for it with the marketing going, the darkest they most did. and it wasn't that. So I think no, that's, a, that's a that's that's either a mistake on their part or it was they calculated this is going to get people to watch it opening weekend. I but I don't think that, that Disney is actually – uh as an overall vibe Mm -hmm. i don't think that they are telling people at lucasfilm or marvel or anybody to only that they can't get dark and gritty i think that they're more than happy for these things to be dark and gritty particularly under the spotlight banner Mm -hmm. but we'll see we'll see when born again comes out
0: maybe they're only picking creators that they know aren't going to go too dark though that's also kind of a way to ex to kind of do that without overtly doing that uh in their approach but you're right you will see how born again because if Born Again comes out and it's slightly, for lack of a better term, homogenized. I mean that. I mean, like, so- softer in its approach. I think people are going to have real issues with that. So uh, we will see. Um, uh, Shannon, any final words on on this? I think we've all said right our final words on this. Shannon, anything we missed or you want to bring up? Uh, well,
2: uh, was- well, on Instagram, I-, I think it's on Marvel's page. It's definitely on mm-hmm. Sarah Finn's page. Sarah Finn is the oh, casting director right. for Marvel. They have the moment where. Uh, they're on a Zoom, and uh, Alakwa Cox is is told that she is getting the role. Oh, and my. it is a if you, if you have time, if you're on Instagram, go check out that video because again, for for someone who had never done this before, uh, she's incredible. Yeah, and yeah. and I hope we get to see her again soon.
0: Yeah, we all three of us may have differing opinions about the series, but I think all three of us agree that Alakwa Cox should continue. As Maya Lopez and Echo, and see more from her. In, in the Absolutely, episode, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, we got some streamlabs of super chats. Uh, shall we get into them here as we wrap up the show, gentlemen? Let's show? do it. Let's do it. Um, all right, Gabriel Francis says uh, I would love for Meg to get the role of McDonnelly and talking about Supergirl. I really think she could have. She could be a movie star, but I think he's going to pick Millie because she already has a relationship with WB through House of the Dragon. All three are great choices, though. That's a great point, Greville. I'm sure. Millie has a little bit of a leg up possibly with the relationship. A gentleman?
2: A a dragon leg.
1: I don't know, though. I could see. (laughs) Okay. Again, to Shannon's point, like, I mean, I could see with Supergirl (laughs) particularly, them going with a lesser known actress if they really, really liked Meg. Like, I I could see that this is the kind of role that you build a star out of, uh,
0: as opposed to bringing someone in who's already recognizable. But we'll see. Yeah. Okay uh roach smith says uh any chance we'd get a for all mankind season review from michael and shannon maybe as a geek bite john you need to start this show i'd be more than happy to let these two gentlemen do a review of for all mankind and put it up as the geek bite if they're up for it yeah one more episode (laughs) gotta watch yeah gotta
1: watch today's uh season finale but then uh i would definitely i
0: i love talking about for
1: all mankind i was on a date last night and i spent way more time than i should have explaining why for all mankind was a great show so i don't know that that bodes well for a second date but I sure enjoyed talking about it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kirk. Just uh, donating, thank you, Captain Kirk. Oh, thank you, Captain. Thank uh, you, captain. Uh, Francisco Lopez has, has two of them here. He Says Echo is okay, but at the end, I was like, "What was the purpose of the show for the rest of the MCU?" And I feel like that, and I feel like that to other MCU series like Agatha, Wonder Man, and Ironheart, and even the Blade movie. I just hope we are watching these shows and movies for some reason. Well, why does it have to be beyond being entertained? Like, yeah, I guess we want to connect it up, and they pitched them a connected universe, obviously. But really, first and foremost, you just want to be entertained. And so I was entertained, maybe not 100%, but I certainly was entertained with Echo much more than I was with Secret Invasion. But, gentlemen, what do you think? Do you feel that way, too? Like, what's the point of this show or these things coming up? we we were conditioned
2: with the marvel cinematic universe as this is all building to something. True. So true. that as an audience that's what we're going in with. Those are our expectations. And mm-hmm. I think now because they do have, you know, so many characters and so many titles, it's becoming more like the comics where yeah. you are going to have this individual story here that doesn't necessarily connect to this ind- individual story over here like they yeah. still want to build to that big thing but we are getting more of those individual adventures um so yeah i mean i agree like it this ultimately didn't lead to anything other than echo's inclusion in the marvel cinematic universe it may and and wilson fisk running for mayor i mean it's it's kind of going into daredevil
1: um yeah look marvel can't have their cake you can't have it both ways marvel john's right yes sometimes a movie or a tv show can just be good because you love the movie or tv show but that's not what marvel has pitched us that's true and that's not what Marvel is saying that they are going to do. It's not like Marvel is all of a sudden like, Hey, we're not doing any big connected story. We're just telling good stories. Like they are driving us to secret war. True. And they have told us that the 10 rings are tied to an alien symbol. And there's a, apparently a celestial in the ocean. And you know, like they've there, you can't say we're building to some bigger thing. And then also say, Oh, but we're just doing some individual stories. So I think that it is very fair to say that at this point with Marvel, it does not feel like we're going anywhere and we're kind of all over the place. And I think that's hopefully what they're trying to fix right now.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Don't show me black smoke and a polar bear. And it's just about people reconnect. Uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk says, do you guys think James Gunn's DCU will mirror a live action, Bruce, Tim uh, Batman, the animated series aesthetic for his universe. No. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: I don't think that that dark Bruce, Tim Batman universe is James Gunn's vibe.
3: Hmm and again
1: these individual movies are also going to have the vibes of their individual directors and creative teams but overall uh batman the animated series at least for the time when it came out was pretty dark for the the world of animation that we were in at the time and i don't think that that's generally james gunn's tone or aesthetic
0: yeah uh
2: yeah i mean if you look at james gunn's previous work and even though superman is not at least tonally not really like anything he's done before i think he's he's a bright bright guy bright yeah. colorful guy so i i think the even though the animated series aesthetic is awesome um i don't think it's necessarily going to translate to what
0: james gunn is doing yeah i don't disagree okay says uh, what are y'all's thoughts on it on a cra- on a the craft reboot with Haley with hallie bailey iman Vellani, jenna ortega and rachel zegler well, Is that happening? No, he's just asking, I think. If, oh, well, I yeah. was like, that... I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's happening necessarily, but I, I think that would be an interesting to see all four of them be a part of that. Good luck with trying to get all four of them... What in... a cast! <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> I think, yeah. I think two of them would be difficult to get. I think the other two would be...
0: Uh, easier to get <laughs> yeah because there was a craft legacy film that came out in 2020 uh which starred uh, possibly future oscar nominee kaylee Spaney there in that uh as well so yeah these uh, getting these four would be something you'd have a, the budget would have to be quite big to get those four uh grubel Fuentes has loved echo not perfect but good enough first season oh brother i love you think that there's gonna be a second one they have room for improvement Really hoping for a second season already on a rewatch. Alequa Cox is phenomenal, definitely a star in the making. Yeah, I think we all agree with that, but I don't know if a season two is in the making in any way, shape, or form. Gentlemen, your thoughts?
1: I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I mean, look, particularly because it does seem to me like this was a troubled production where they sort of really cut it down and built it in the editing bay. I don't think they're going to be anxious to dive into a season two. Yeah. Um, but I do think. We've definitely not seen the last of Alequa Cox's Echo. Yeah. Jen,
0: yes.
2: Yet? Hopefully, hopefully what Vogel said. I think, I think uh, uh Echo Echo is here to stay. Fair
0: point. Uh Derek Johnson sent us three of these, they're all connected, so I'm just gonna read them. Uh Derek says, Echo, I loved it. And MCU makes me care about characters that I'd never read the stories for. And this indigenous story, I gotta say, no other networks or franchises are giving us these diver, diverse range of stories and characters. Uh, this, this story and the emotion of it I loved. This is what I want out of a badass woman character. No frills, no bullshit. Nobody telling me she's a badass. You can just feel she takes no shit by her stairs and she kicks ass. I love it. Uh, love the show as always. Can't watch live today as I keep neglecting work and being lazy, LOL. Just wanted to say the soundtrack for Echo is the shit. Um, yeah, good to hear, uh, Derek. And I should also add, like, um, the, I love the sign—the use of sign language in this show. I thought that was another positive thing about Echo because they used both the standard sign language and the American Indian sign language uh, t- uh, versions of sign language. And I thought that was a really cool thing to be a part of, of the show. At the time when people are complaining about subtitles, I love that we can have something like sign language. It makes me want to learn it for sure, seeing other people using it in this way and seeing it work so well in a show like this. What do you guys think of Derek's thoughts uh, overall?
2: I mean, to the sign language point you just made, Johnny. I mean, that has been something, even though we haven't seen a ton of uh, uh, Maya, that is something that has been consistent. Like when she spotted Clint's earpiece um, hearing aid saying like, you don't need that. Um, and then watching, like, I thought the design choice of uh, with when Wilson Fisk with the uh, the IPs, oh, yeah. uh, like having those yeah. you know digital arms signed for him and how it made communication easier. But ultimately, that was in my estimation that, that that's not cool. Right. Like you didn't care enough to learn how to do this properly. You're using a cheat. So yeah. I thought that was really, really cool.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Mike?
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, I agree with I agree with Derek that I think that marvel's strength is creating characters that we like and they've definitely done that with echo um yeah. they just have other weaknesses that they need to sort of fill the gaps in
0: yeah yeah um yeah i mean it, i came in not not probably having read much of echo in the comics and seeing her here in the show and now it makes me want to read more of her stuff in the, although she's different in the heritage wise and her powers but i would like to read more of it so i think that it, the the show certainly accomplished that. Uh, let's see here. Jim Fan says, Echo started off strong, but gradually felt like the series was chopped and condensed, as Michael has pointed out. The finale was so disappointing. The supporting characters were blah, and this really didn't need to be TBMA. But Alec still shines, and I want to see more of Echo. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on that, guys? Are we good to move on to the I
1: mean, I disagree. I think some of the supporting characters weren't great, but I think some of the supporting characters were... A++, plus plus. and right. I don't know that I'm at the point where I was with, like, uh Miss Marvel, where I'm like, I want to see all of these characters in the MCU, mm. but I think for the roles that they played, I think they were really strong.
0: Yeah. Shannon? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Hill Nellum says, I finished Echo last night. What's up, Hill? It's always good to see you, brother. He said, I was happy with the show, especially the Native American lore parts. As a self-contained story, I didn't have any complaints. I do think Aleppo Cox could be a star in the making. It makes me want to see more of her, in the MCU, I think uh, you know all of us are on board with the last sentiments for sure. Um, and yeah, and we enjoyed the Native American parts, um, and there was more to explore with that. And so I'd like to see, as Michael said, maybe there's other episodes or other footage that they'd shot that could be interesting to explore. Uh, anything you guys want to say on that?
2: Yeah, I thought I thought the uh, the Choctaw elements were the strongest, mm-hmm. the Same. strongest
0: aspects of the story. Yep, and that powwow was beautifully shot. Jesus, uh, Lindley, my. A uh, significant other, she is half Native American, Madeira, uh, She goes up to the powwow. Her mom runs uh, is part of the powwow committee there up in Northern California. I have yet to go, uh, and uh, maybe it is time for me to go and experience that with her because uh, I want to see what that is like. And a lot of people are pointing out them having a taco truck at the powwow, <laughs> which is something that is uh, at some of those powwows. Um, Freddastic said, hey, Geek Buddies, I really enjoyed Echo. I'm fluent in ASL. And when I signed, there are hesitations in speaking that I saw in the show. That's awesome. I understand why this is, but I would hate for it to be a reason why people would trash the show. Thanks, buddies. Oh, yeah. If anyone's trashing the show for the ASL, they can fuck all the way off. And I don't care what you think about that. I thought it was awesome to see that in the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gentlemen.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, I, I loved the way that she communicated with each person was a little different. Everyone signed a little differently. Yes. Some people signed silently, some people spoke along with their signing and I thought that again that was a thing that made the show strong and stand out.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it, Mike your thoughts? No, nope, yeah.
1: I totally agree. I thought it was great. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um all right, well there you go. That's all the stream labs and super chats. That's all the topics we had scheduled for ourselves for this special live episode of the Geek Buddies. Anything more? You guys, gentlemen, want to bring up or anything we missed or any thoughts? Uh, I think we hit it all. It was a a packed morning for the Geek Buddies. (laughs) That's for sure. And we appreciate you all taking the time to hang out with us here. Over 300 of you watching us for a majority of this two-hour show. So we appreciate you all madly as we're wrapping up. Please remember, uh, oh, no, the gentleman take care of this. Shannon, take it away.
2: Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. You want things light? You want things bright? Follow Mike Vogel at MKToon. You want things dark? Follow Johnny Roca (laughs) at the Roca Says. For sure.
1: Uh, well, we had a great time with you guys this morning, and here is what you guys can do for us. Don't forget to smash that like button before you leave. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your comments below if you're watching us later. What did you think of Supergirl, Echo, Mandalorian, <laughs> Star Trek, Top Gun 3, Tom Cruise? Let us know below in the chat. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies.
0: Yes, please do. Someone is saying that they sent a stream lab through uh, and I didn't read it, but I just went through all the stream labs. I read them all. So uh, either it didn't go through or um, there was some communication issue maybe because I've read all the stream labs and the super chats uh, for you guys. And thank you very much for sending them in. We appreciate it madly. Um, All right. uh, Take care of yourselves. Be well. Have a great weekend uh, and come back and join us next week for another brand new episode of The... Geek Buddies!
2: <gasps> hey!